Blog Talk Radio. Thank you all for listening. I'm feeling pretty good tonight, guys. I'm not going to lie. Uh, none of that has much to do with the movie. But uh, if I seem unreasonably happy, uh, I don't know what to tell you. But I'm feeling good tonight. I, I feel pretty good. Uh, coming in late, because he's got other things to do in the world, folks. Uh, Mark Radulich is here with me, as always. How you doing, Mark? I was watching The Flash. Sorry. <laughs> I was watching the Flash. Then you've suffered I enough. Playing... <laughs> I w- oh, stop that! I was watching the Flash. I was playing like Facebook games on my phone, and I suddenly realized, oh shit, it's nine o'clock. So here I am. I'm ready to talk Justice League. But first, I have to tell you, I don't know if you saw on Facebook, but we were eating dinner tonight, and uh, you know, look, children are a mixed bag. They are a blessing. They are a curse. They are. Uh, fun as a circus and a pain in the ass. And, you know, especially younger children, they, they can be a bit trying. But occasionally they provide the kind of entertainment you're just not going to find anywhere else on Earth. They are the greatest show on Earth, Robert Winfrey. Bar- Ringling Brothers and Bonham and Bailey Circus could make that claim, but it would be a false claim. Children are the greatest show on Earth, and I'll tell you why. We are uh, eating dinner, and my son, the comedian, you can take that in the watchman sense or in the literal sense, it works both ways. Um, he, uh, he he gets up from the table. So your and son's he a violent to... psychopath with uh, moral absolutism roots. That could be. Um, you know, you know, he's only three and a half. He's got a long life ahead of him. In any case, um, he he starts prancing around the table and he goes, "I'm a ballerina. I'm a ballerina." But he's doing it with devil horns, and then he sticks his butt out. And he proceeds to sashay around the table going, I call this move the butt crack. And I almost fell off the chair. 
I mean, my, my daughter couldn't breathe. My, my wife guffawed. I, I was practically breathless with laughter. Um, here's the unfortunate thing. Children don't know when to stop. You know, you know we, we on Damn You Hollywood and Source Material and the Metal Hammer of Doom have ourselves a gas of a time. Uh, but, you know, we, we only make the same joke, you know, usually once or twice, and then we move on. I mean, unless we're, we're, spe- we're specifically beating the horse to death, <laughs> or beating a dead horse, uh, as it were. And that's, that's done purposefully. He literally did the, I call this the butt crack, for like 10 minutes straight. And after a while, it stopped getting a laugh. But I loved my son, and I, and I haven't laughed that hard in a really long time. Except for when I saw Justice League. The comedian with Rorschach there from Watchmen as far as life views. He was more of a nihilist than moral absolutist, so my mistake. Indeed. Um, But uh, as I said, and and of course you talked over the transition, I haven't laughed that hard in a long time except for when I saw just how bad Justice League did this past weekend. Yeah. um, Can you believe that? Of course you yes. can it. <laughs> I can believe that specifically yeah, I because specifically because I saw the amount of when I when it got reported the amount of reshoots and rewriting they were doing. It's like okay, you this was always going to be a tough sell, given how people responded to the other entries into this franchise. Now you've tacked on another. I mean, they may have, they might well have doubled the production budget because of the reshoots they had Joss Whedon do. Right. And look, they had momentum going into this with Wonder Woman. Here's the problem, you know, like like Suicide Squad, and um, to a lesser degree, Dawn of Justice. They had a vision. You can say it's a faulty vision, but there was a vision going into these projects. And that vision came from Zack Snyder. And I'm going to do this snark free. I want to I wanna talk a little bit about the DCEU and Warner Brothers without the usual, you all suck uh, rant. That we typically do uh, while yelling at clouds here on Old Men Yell at Clouds. Um, Zack Snyder, I mean, Marvel makes movies about people but they tend to be lighter in heart. And even they've, I don't know if course correction is the right term, but they've certainly altered, I think, what the original vision for a lot of these films were by adding exponentially more humor to them because that's a successful sell in the marketplace. You know, if they're beating up, if they're, the plot's not too complicated, they're beating up the bad guys, and there's a lot of joking along the way, voila, lobster. Now, and, and, and that's, that's, you can see that with Thor Ragnarok. Can I just say, um, I hate that that actually works. Like, I know why they do it. Like, they do it because it leads mm-hmm. to greater financial returns. I don't hate them for yeah, doing it Thor- because this is a business. I hate that people are that stupid. Thor Ragnarok's currently number nine in the top ten, and it's, you know, somewhere in the 700 millions on the strength of that formula. Zack Snyder, even before all that, because remember, this has been going on since Man of Steel, uh, since the Avengers drew a billion dollars. They've, you know, they wanted to tell, for lack of a better phrase, morality tales. They wanted to take these iconic characters and place them in situations and in a world where 
it's not just about punching bad guys and being quippy along the way. It's about dealing with moral, uh, complex issues. You know, if you're the man of steel, what does that mean on this world? You know, Christopher, the Christopher Reeve movies were great. They were iconic in their time. But I don't think Christopher Reeve was really wrestling with moral quandaries. Th- this one does. Man of Steel, that's a lot of what that movie was about. Now, you can, we can sit here and you know, debate the merits of the plot, which are a little wonky at times at, at best. But and we've done in the past, large, actually. Feel free to go into the archives, <laughs> folks. There is, a, there, there is an episode of Winfrey and Radlich Defend Man of Steel. Um, but, yes, as a matter of fact, we, de- we defended it and Gavin prosecuted it. It was a pair of podcasts for the ages. Um, but Zack Snyder had this vision of what he wanted these to be. He wanted them not just dark and gritty. I think that... Well, that was the aesthetic. I feel like that just writes off the entire project uh, for the sake of kind of undermining what he was trying to do critically. I think what Zack Snyder was saying was, hey, can we elevate these in some way? Can we ask some important questions about these mythological uh, beings that we're talking about and telling stories about? Can we, can we take the superhero genre and do what was done in The Dark Knight and and elevate it to where it's true film, not just pop, not just popcorn features. And now whether or not he has succeeded in that is certainly up for debate. And that's not something that needs to be debated here. We eventually we want to get to justice league, but it is worth pointing out that after dawn of justice, both suicide squad, wonder woman and justice league, all got heavily edited and reshot uh, to one degree or another in favor of, hey, nobody likes your vision. We need to course correct. Which isn't really fair to Zack Snyder. It isn't fair to the projects. It isn't fair to the actors. And I think the result has been this hodgepodge mishmash of films. I'm going to go ahead and say, while Wonder Woman was a great film with a shit ending... Schick uh, third act, and it was. And we all we we talked about that over the summer. Um, that whole last that whole last act is like a video game that I can't play, as confused Matthew would say, and it looked like garbage. Um, but had Wonder Woman not evolved into a feminist cause, I don't think Wonder Woman would be as highly regarded as it has been. So you have the schizophrenic Suicide Squad, the feminist cause. That was Wonder Woman, and their attempt to remake Zack Snyder's vision of Justice League into Joss Whedon's vision of the Avengers. And no and wonder it feels it's exactly as stupid as that sounds. It really does. <laughs> I mean, is there anything you want to you want to take issue with with what I've said here? No. Like, there's a few things I want to talk about when we get to the craft of the film itself, because uh, I feel feel like what I want to say is best addressed to this movie specifically, rather than necessarily looking at how the studio has botched this with, oh, crap, we have to do things, like, no, like, there's, there's a significant merit, and I'll say this is what I want to say as it pertains to this. 
there's a significant merit to cohesion. Even if the end product is less than great, if it's internally cohesive, there again, there is there is merit to that. My biggest knock on Ant-Man, lest everyone accuse me of being a Marvel fanboy here, I knocked Ant-Man pretty significantly for the radical shifts in tone that were easily identifiable. It's like, okay, here's what Edgar Wright wrote and shot, and here's what the next guy wrote and shot, and here's what the next guy wrote and shot, and it's a very, very, very obvious patchwork assembly. And the movie as a whole suffers for that. Wonder Woman. Say what you will. Say what you will about Dawn of Justice. It's internally consistent. Yes. I just watched the ultimate cut again today in preparation for on trial. And I, and I honestly, and I, and I guess because I've already come out and defended the movie when we, uh, when, when we reviewed it, um, I'm taking the role of prosecuting it this time just to make life interesting. But there's a lot I really like about that movie because I can, you know, because I don't, not everything needs to be Guardians of the Galaxy. Not everything needs to be uh, the Avengers. I, I don't need it to be light and fluffy and not asking tremendously deep questions. Uh, I don't need to see a lot of punching going on. I like the fact that this was about the very real anxiety and paranoia of living with somebody like Superman on Earth. I loved the fact that this was a Batman at the end of his rope that had seen the death of Robin, that had lived you know, 20 years in Gotham and felt like he hadn't made a difference and had become extremely cynical and violent. You know, people complained about that. I don't want to get into a tangent on Dawn of Justice, but there was so much complaining about how Batman just straight up murdered people. And it was like, you do realize this is, the, this is a Batman in a, in a time and setting where he's been the Batman for 20 years. He fucking says it in the movie. 20 years in Gotham, how many promises have been broken? Wake up and pay attention. This isn't Batman 66. This isn't Batman Year One. This isn't even Batman and Robin. This was Frank Miller's Dark Knight Batman. Someone who ha- had had his soul crushed, and in doing so, sort of just takes it out on Superman, and is sort of brought back down to reality when he's face to face with the fact that he's gonna get a le- he's gonna end up in his rage and paranoia and anxiety. He's gonna let an innocent woman get killed. And has to sort of shake himself and go, oh, I, I, I gotta, I rem- I'm supposed to be a hero, not a murderous Punisher-like vigilante. These are all things I liked about that movie. And I can see why it drove everybody else out of the theater screaming, where's my Batman 66? Yeah, when we, like, when we reviewed that movie, I had no issue with Batman murdering people. My issue was that he then subsequently didn't kill Lex Luthor because, yeah, he would have. That was my biggest gripe. Like, oh, you have plot armor. And it's very obvious plot armor. And it's somewhat ironic to watch Batman try to overcome plot armor because he's the biggest Mary Sue in the world. But I digress. <laughs> now, again, like, there, when we reviewed Dawn of Justice, like, no, here's a few, here's positives, because there were. Here's all these negatives, because there were. Like, it's not wholly one or the other. So, again, my, as far as that goes, I think the biggest problem... Before we get into the actual crap, I cut you of the off, movie. and you were talking about. I cut you off. You were starting to talk about Wonder Woman. Oh yeah, well, okay. Wonder Woman succeeded, I think, in large part because there's a coherent vision behind it. Sure, the third act is stupid. 
There's no getting around it. But the totality of the film is very much a singular vision and how it plays into the world. If you contrast that with, again, Suicide Squad, which had eight different rewrites and directors and reshoots and it never had a it never really had a chance to be anything other than the dumpster fire that it was and you get a, you get a bit of that in the best marvel movies and i hate to make a one to one comparison here it's the best i can do the best marvel movies are a coherent vision from a specific director or directors and how that character and the stories they want to tell fit into the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Guardians make jokes because they face death and depression and you know, the malaise of their existence on a regular basis. There's a lot of gallows humor there. Captain America doesn't joke a whole lot. He deals with you know a lot, very different circumstances. Those movies aren't aren't comedic. There are some comedic elements to them because nothing is, again, completely one or the other. But there is room for all of that, and unfortunately, Marvel's kind of started getting away from that with, again, Ragnarok, which is, hey, jokes. My whole planet just got blown up, but boy, I can crack wise about it. (laughs) Ugh. Again, see our review of Thor Ragnarok for more detailed discussion on why that's just the dumbest thing ever, but... Yeah, again, that's my last word here, is I think that, again, cohesion is a, it, is a property in a film to be celebrated. And there's not a lot of, and w- when there isn't, it's obvious. Again, Ant-Man, obviously not cohesive. Justice League, also rather obviously not cohesive. Again, that's the only thing I think I had to say about you know, kind of the overarching things before we get into the specifics of this movie and what I liked and didn't like. Because I'll, I'll warn everybody right now, if you came here expecting me to just bag on the movie wholesale, you will be disappointed. There are positive things about this movie. Here, 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 let me sum this up, because I want to get into the critical elements of it, but Robert always asked me, what did I, you know, in general, what did I think of the movie or what my expectations... Here's the thing. I didn't know what to expect because you had Joss Whedon, who um, is particularly strong uh, in the sense of promoting females. One might even say a feminist agenda. He is. Um, he, he he openly, that, to be fair, he is. He like talks about himself as such. And then you have Zack Snyder, who is writing these uh, heavily philosophical, you know, put the superhero in moral quandary type uh, visions. And he had between uh, uh, Dawn of Justice and what was supposed to be a two-part Justice League movie, he had a vision for the kind of story he wanted to tell. And they lost the second part of Justice League. He couldn't even finish the movie, not to mention he received pressure from the studio to alter the tone of the thing so it wouldn't drive people out of the theaters the way Dawn of Justice did. This movie never had a fucking chance. I'm surprised. I honestly didn't know what to expect because it was a salad bowl of nonsense going into it. So I think I just wanted to be 
and, and to say all of what we've just said for the past 20 minutes and, and to end it with this one line seems a, a bit ridiculous. But, like, I, I just wanted it to be entertaining at that point. I didn't want to walk out of the movie and, and feel like I – and I hate to compare it to this because there's, they're not comparable. But, you know, my feeling with, like, Blade Runner, like, what the hell did I just watch? Well, that's not what happened here. I knew exactly what I was watching uh, by the end of that movie. And I can sum it up this way. This looked, and I'm going to echo actually the thoughts of Mike Spokasa from Red Letter Media, the half in the bag. This poorly written Saturday morning cartoon version of the Justice League. Like, this felt like, an episode, like a two-hour episode of the Super Friends. That's it. That's literally what this was. The, the, this had no depth to it. There were no, no questions being asked, no moral quandaries. It, you know, the, the, the only amount of substance there is in this movie is Batman still feels guilty for his role in Superman getting killed by uh, Doomsday. And they all, they all, on one level or another, recognize the threat of Steppenwolf and say, okay, well, we all have to, despite our internal struggles, we all have to step up here. And there's a little bit of, you know, characters having arcs. You know, Barry Allen becomes, becomes a hero. Uh, Batman sort of assuages his guilt over Superman. Superman comes back to life and apparently now enjoys saving people because he didn't in the last two movies. Um, Wonder Woman becomes a leader. Aquaman goes from being a recluse to being a part of the world. And Cyborg sort of gets over his depression about also nearly, you know, being killed and being brought back to life as a cybernetic monster. Which is all, I guess, fine and grist for the mill. But it's literally, like, that is puddle-level substance stuff right there. And it doesn't get any deeper than that. And the, you gave, so the whole you, movie You is, ascribed entirely too much of an arc to Aquaman. You are being incredibly <laughs> generous. Um, oh, I said was he went from being a recluse to being a part of the world again. Well, he did. That that happened. You're being generous. Uh, okay. Uh, but the whole movie is essentially a series of setups to attack a, a yet another mindless zombie army, and then a, and then a video game and a video game boss. It's a giant video game boss fight at the end. And complete with Soul Calibur acts. I've never even played Soul Calibur, but I can recognize like the God of War Soul Calibur weaponry that Steppenwolf was using. But that's enough of me. Thanks. I'm driving. Go ahead with your plot synopsis. All right. Anyone, if you uh, haven't seen it and that potentially bothers you, here's your last chance to get out. Even though Mark actually did a pretty good job there. Uh, all right. We open here with the world still kind of getting over the death of Superman, or not as such. Um, the <laughs> maybe they are, maybe they aren't. <laughs> they never deal with it. Like, that really, like, sorry, sorry, not editorializing just yet. This is what happens. Then I will yell about the writing errors. Please, I was going to say, please put a button in that, because I really want to talk about how, because we live in a world... This, okay, everyone take a drink. This is, your, this is why we can't have nice things thought of the night. 
because we can't have a superhero movie that deals with serious issues like the death of a god and how that affects people and really explore, spend 10 to 20 minutes exploring the nature of that and how it affects the world, bad, good, and indifferent, they just fucking shot right over it as if it didn't matter at all. Which then, what is the point of even... then? It, it completely undermined the point of it, such as it was, in Dawn of Justice. But I'm sorry. I, I, go ahead. Plot synopsis, go. No, no. You, I, I, I agree completely. I do want to touch on that. Uh, anyway, the actual death of Superman seems to have awoken... What do they call them? The mother boxes? Yes. The MacGuffins. They're MacGuffins. Now they are MacGuffins. <laughs> Avengers. That, I was gonna say uh, Avengers had one Tesseract. This one's got three. That we had never seen or even heard of prior to this movie. <laughs> which is uh, anyway, it awakens these things, which summons forth CGI'd monstrosity Steppenwolf. Um, <laughs> can I ask a question? Yes. Can I, can I please ask you a question? I've been dying to ask you this, but we've. Yes. Gotten off track talking about the movies, oddly enough. Um, Go ahead. Did the CGI in Justice League make you, A, want to take out your cock and pee all over the screen, B, vomit profusely and violently, C, sneak out in the middle of the film? Uh, it actually made my eyes physically try, try to leave my skull. Like, there was a, deep, there was a reflexive <laughs> urge to save themselves... <laughs> from the quality of the CGI in this movie. And I had to like <laughs> tie a transparent bit of cloth around my eyes, like a bandana to keep them from it's, it's physically really leaving my body. Okay. We'll talk about it. Please continue. Anyway, he is summoned by the mother boxes. We get some backstory about how he tried to conquer earth thousands of years ago and was repulsed by the last alliance of men and elves. <laughs> Sorry. An alliance of men, Atlanteans, and Amazons. And after he was repulsed... And lantern. And, and, don't, and don't forget lantern. Yeah, there were some lanterns that showed up. The Greek gods came down and fought, and he was repulsed. And each of the three kingdoms took a took one of the boxes. Mark, we've got a caller. Would you mind screening that while I do this? Oh, most certainly. Thank you very pass, much. But, um, yeah, I'll go ahead and screen. Probably, but good. <laughs> I'd rather be sure. Anyway, they... Anyway, so Steppenwolf has been summoned by the reawakened energies of the Mother Boxes because they want to be with him and remake the world. I, I mean, that's their purpose. They reorganize matter, which would wipe out all existing matter. It's basically Genesis from Star Trek... Wrath of Khan is kind of what these things are in practice. So he shows up at the island of Themyscira. He whoops the Amazons and takes the box. Uh, the Amazons set off some ancient signal that Diana recognizes. She goes to Batman and says, yeah, we're kind of out of time. If anybody's going to come and help, it should be now. So he recruits Barry Allen, the Flash, who is very anxious to actually make friends. 
because he's a little socially awkward because, well, everyone must be so... There must be a socially awkward character, I suppose. Uh, Arthur Curry initially tells Batman to piss off. However, after Steppenwolf shows up in Atlantis and smacks the Atlanteans around, takes the mother box and then exits through a boom tube, he decides, yeah, I, I can't let this stand, so he... There's like supposed to be a whole plot there that they completely jump over about him wanting to claim the throne of Atlantis and not actually wanting it. And I only bring that up because it's really obvious that they skipped over it. Uh, so he decides that, yeah, this can't really stand. So he goes up to join them. They also meet Cyborg, a human who was in a very bad car accident, and his father saved him through use of the third mother box which is now, like, slowly turning him into a machine. Which, okay. And he's able to plug into the internet at all times, and he's... So, anyway, there's Cyborg. Cyborg kind of decides to come along as well, for reasons I'm still not entirely clear on. Uh, Diana kind of talks him into it, but... I don't think he actually fully joins the team until Steppenwolf kidnaps his dad. Yeah, yeah, that that was kind of how I felt about it. And anyway, so he brings out the third mother box, which is subsequently claimed by Steppenwolf, but they not at before they use the mother box in combination with the amniotic chamber on the Kryptonian ship to revive Superman. Believe me, it we I know it's weird. So Superman comes back and like you do when you are raised from the dead, he is Unsure about who's around him, and he lashes out violently. Not that I can blame him. Uh, He nearly kills all of them, including Batman, before Lois shows up and is able to kind of talk him down and help him regain his memories. And then he... And so Superman shows back up at the critical moment to turn the fight once once they all engage with Steppenwolf. Uh, there's a giant semi-climactic battle. They're able to separate the cubes, uh, which, are, again, they all integrate into a single unit, which then reorganizes all matter on Earth. They stop it. They separate them. They defeat Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf is attacked by parademons as he is recalled, presumably by Darkseid, because Darkseid's the one in charge of boom tubes, at least to the best of my knowledge. And we all go about our merry way, having learned a little bit, and Superman and the Flash have a race. Which was probably the best thing about this movie. Was that that (laughs) post-credit scene where they set up the race between the Flash and Superman. And then Uh, uh, the the final, final extra-credit scene, uh, Luther has escaped from... I refuse to acknowledge that. Do not speak of it. (laughs) Well, I'll say it. I will. Luther has escaped from prison. I will mute you. Don't do it. (laughs) Deathstroke. Okay, we have a caller. Uh, It is, of course, the the oldest the oldest man who yells at the darkest clouds. (laughs) Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, totally eighties, punching pugilist, Mister Pat Mullen. How do you do, sir? Hi, guys. First time caller, long time listener. There you are. Um, you know, you guys sound really negative on this movie, and I can't understand why. Because to be honest, I really liked it. Um, there, you know, 
the idea that, you know, when Loki, I mean, Steppenwolf comes down to find the Tesseract, <laughs> I mean, the mother boxes, and you have Captain America and Thor, and I, I mean, uh, Wonder Woman and Batman and the Flash all come together to stop him with his army of Chitari, I mean, parademons, to form this thing and create this boom tube, I mean, wormhole, I mean, boom tube uh, to this other world, serving their evil dark master, dark side, Thanos, I mean, dark side. Um, you know, I just don't understand why you guys are so negative on how original this is and, and how great it is. <laughs> The only thing that would have made that funnier is if you had said it like George St. Pierre. Oh, those were the good oh, days. No, no, just, just don't. <laughs> just don't. Mark, I had to suffer through a seven-hour UFC event on Sunday. I'm a little tapped out as far as that goes at the moment. Um, so in all, in all you know series, there's, there's a lot to – There's a, I was going to say, there's a lot to pick on here. That's my big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is I that would Josh, agree Josh Whedon not so cleverly – Josh Whedon not so cleverly just reworked his entire script for Avengers as this movie. Well, you know, what's funny is one of the guys from um, Half in the Bag pointed out that um, this plot point about the, about the mother boxes terraforming the Earth and having to you know, stop the bad guy from um, turning the planet into uh, like a planet like his home world is the exact same plot as Man of Steel. So, yeah, they just yeah. apparently they, they just gave original, him the Genesis not an weapon. Plot in this movie. Yeah, again, they just gave him the Genesis weapon to have him do it instead of a giant terraforming ship, and we don't even have the you know benefits of Ricardo Montalbán acting as the villain. Yeah, they gave him three tesseracts right. instead of one. <laughs> so. Let me let me say this. Like I said, this was basically like a like a Super Friends, or um, it's somewhere between better written than than the Super Friends show, but less, but uh, not as well written as the Justice League cartoon show on Cartoon Network. That was the Bruce Timm really Justice well. League. Yeah. Uh, you know, God forbid they they would have taken like the, you know the Hawk People storyline from Justice from the Justice League cartoon and done done a movie of that, which would have made a little bit more sense to me instead of you know rewriting the Avengers movie with DC characters. Uh, well, can if I may, you sure. know, I, I joke about how the plot is basically thinly veiled, ripped off from Avengers in a lot of ways, and it is um, one of the things that made Avengers work is that we were introduced to all these characters for the most part, with the exceptions of Hawkeye really at length in their own feature films or with a substantial role in someone else's feature film. Hawkeye had a brief cameo in Thor. Thor had his own feature film. Iron Man had two by this point. Captain America had one. Black Widow had a substantial role in her own, uh, of her own in Iron Man two and the Hulk has had two features and is basically ingrained enough at that point to people where they know what the Hulk is. And so while he is the least developed, clearly, and that was criticized by people, at least there's that. In this one, we're getting Aquaman thrown at us, the Flash thrown at us, Cyborg thrown at us. And I dare say, because it's not the Flash from the TV show, a lot of people are 
confused by his introduction in this because Aquaman is not the blonde-haired guy in orange and green from Super Friends. They have no idea why he is why he is. And nobody, unless they're a comic fan, came into this with any prior knowledge of Cyborg unless they played the Injustice video games. So alternatively, you know who Cyborg is. If you the only if other you have place a kid Cyborg who watches appeared Teen was Titans, the, yeah, the Teen Titans cartoons were was was probably you Cyborg's biggest. If you have a kid who has watched Teen Titans Go, that's about the only way you know who Cyborg is. Now the, the yeah, one, and you don't understand why he's a part go, of this team. He was in there too, but yeah, yeah, and so you don't understand why he's a part of this team as opposed to the Titans. Um, but very few people were aware of him prior to this movie, I would imagine with any depth, and they rushed through, you know, Rob pointed out the Aquaman storyline. There really is no Aquaman storyline because it's clearly just skipped over. The Flash's character just completely changed to make him the comic-y, jokey one because they couldn't find a way to fit Green Lantern into this movie uh, without major overhaul and not knowing how to write him. Uh, And Cyborg is thrown in with very little explanation, again, as Rob pointed out, until his father is kidnapped. So, you know, the difference is we had knowledge and backstory to essentially everyone in Avengers with the exception of Hawkeye, and that's noted. Here you get, you have Batman, you have Wonder Woman, eventually you get Superman back, but that's really all you get, and you're supposed to care out of nowhere. Yeah, there was a major, you know, you know, um, well, let's go back and, and look at a little history here. So the Avengers makes a billion dollars. This is around the time of Comic-Con, and they were supposed to announce Man of Steel 2. But Warner Brothers took a shit in their pants, saw how much money the Avengers w- made, their lizard brains took over, and said, ah, I want the money. So instead of trying to formulate a cohesive Man of Steel 2, they hot-shotted Dawn of Justice. They, they hot-shotted uh, Batman versus Superman because they wanted, you know, because they wanted to get to that billion-dollar Avengers movie. Um, so, they, so the plan was, we'll, we'll introduce Batman and Wonder Woman in essentially what is Man of Steel 2, but ha- what was called Dawn of Justice, uh, ba- Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. And then after that, we'll do Justice League, and we'll just shove everybody else in there. Instead of... You know, and that'll get us, and that'll get us that Avengers money. And as I say that, it, it, you know, it's like it's very easy, I think, for for uh, for us who are comic book fans and who think about this stuff and don't have billions of dollars on the line, to sit here and say, why would you rush into Justice League that way? Why wouldn't you do exactly what Pat is suggesting they should have done and what Marvel did do? which is introduce these characters in their own movie, then get them interacting. So that way you don't, you know, you, you have all the backstory. And in defense of Warner Brothers and, and, uh, and DC, I think there was this notion that even if you, <laughs> as wrong as it may be, but I think there was the belief, and I can see where they're coming from here, that, Batman is an iconic character who needs no backstory. You all have seen enough Batman movies at this point. You know who fucking Batman is. Before Justice League was going to come out, there was going to be a Wonder Woman anyway. So that takes care of her. 
um, you know who the Flash is. You've at least heard of the Flash. You've heard of Aquaman, and will you know? And they wrote in a little bit about Cyborg even in this movie to say, okay, at least the idea, it's the idea of if you throw all of these iconic characters on screen, that in and of itself is the novelty that brings in the masses. Now, you guys are now probably jumping up and down and sweating and saying, but that's wrong, and I agree with you. But I think that was where they were coming from, that they, that, you know, they could institute a shortcut, basically. And it's I don't disagree filming. with that. I was going to say, I don't disagree with that, especially with the fact that, you know, Superman's already had, prior to this, five films of his own, or really six, actually, I should say, if we count Man of Steel, at least seven two, if we count Dawn of Justice. Say, and two and two modern television shows between Lois and Cl- uh, the advent- further adventures of Lois and Clark and Smallville. Like if you yeah. don't know who Superman is at this point, I, again, um, and very similar, very similar with Batman, very similar in certain respects with Wonder Woman. She did have her own TV show. She is the iconic female, you know, empowerment character. Marvel. If you look at who Marvel's big, like, well-known characters are. You've got Spider-Man, who was not a part of the initial franchise. You've got the Hulk, I would say, is probably next best known, but had already had two films of his own. And even then, it's sort of reworked in the Avenger film. And then you've got, who's next? Wolverine? Not a part of what's going on. Yeah. There's niche audiences that understand who Captain America is. There's niche audiences who understand who Iron Man is. There's a very small niche audience who understood who Thor was or had heard of Thor prior to this. But when they crafted these films around these characters, that's the investment you make to build for that big payoff. Again, I understand why you wouldn't think that you need that when you have these characters who everybody has heard of. But at the same time, you're doing something with a narrative, that needs to make sense to the to the the casual moviegoer who sees this and wants to pop money down and see a movie that they're going to enjoy and would see a sequel to if that's the case if you're playing the long game. And they didn't see any of the long term here. It was just quick money grab, like Mark says. And this is why you get the negative reaction and the negative results. Yeah, and you know, for I those of you who may not, hang on, hang suicide. on, if I may. This might sound really weird, but Marvel as a film studio took a significant risk with Iron Man. A lot of people may not – you may not think that now because of what it spawned and how well it was received and how well it performed. But Iron Man is not a well, was not a well-known character. The big Marvel players were owned by other – like Fox owned them. And who did they cast in the lead role at the time? Downey wasn't, you know, the Downey now, who's a guaranteed star who people love. That was one of Downey's real first big positive steps in remaking his career again. Yeah, that was like right after Chaplin, right? Because right he, he got out of jail and uh, his biopic of Charlie Chaplin was well received. <laughs> well, hang on. Let's be clear. Robert Downey Jr. is like Sherlock or Iron Man does big box office. Robert Downey Jr. in something that isn't a licensed character role doesn't do well. He had a movie that came out in, in the midst of all of this. Because remember, he's done like 106 different Marvel movies by now and two Sherlock movies. Um, the Soloist? By Guy Ritchie. 
he had something where like he was a lawyer and his dad's a judge or whatever. That yeah, bombed. That was him and oh, uh, so Robert the judge. Duvall. Yeah. So again, Robert Downey Jr. has made this part his own and has done well with it. But yeah, like outside of that, it's not like he's doing big box office and anything else. He, you know, this he, isn't like a Tom Cruise situation. He did moderately successful uh, films with The Soloist and Due Date, and then he had Tropic Thunder, where he got nominated for an Academy Award. All right, well, that's fair. Um, I didn't realize that those were during the Iron Man run. But um, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, they're all they're all post Iron Man. Okay, well, I stand corrected. Um, here's what I before we lose too much time, and we have two other bits to do. Um, focusing like a laser on Justice League itself. I mean, we've already seen what the problems was. It's a mishmash. They didn't, you know, they really should have given all all these characters their own stories first before, you know, throwing them all into this movie. Um, so everyone's underwritten, basically, with the possible exceptions of Batman and Wonder Woman. Um, I, <laughs> they, they, between Dawn of Justice and this, they've wasted 38 different stories that could have been expanded upon into their own movies, um, especially with Dawn of Justice. But uh, here are the good, the bad, and the ugly. Really, really quick in 50 words or less. The good. This was a breezy two hours. Okay, you know, I I didn't once look at my watch. I didn't doze off. I didn't. I wasn't bored. Um, This is something I could have taken my kids to and I wouldn't have felt that like, you know, they wouldn't have kept it it wouldn't have kept their attention span. This was moving, moving, moving. Uh, It was a very entertaining shove the popcorn down your throat, uh, have a good time and imminently forgettable. action movie that's that's a compliment by the way it's not bad it's really <laughs> not <laughs> for this film it In is my world it's a compliment um the bad the cgi is fucking dog shit awful this uh, again as confused matthew would say this looked like a video game that i couldn't play this doesn't uh, even look like a hang on this doesn't even look like a triple a major studio video game there are video games out right now that look better than this. Yeah. This is Canon film CGI. <laughs> um, um, Steppenwolf, aside from looking terrible, uh, I mean, people are calling him, people are saying this is Marvel level, this, is, this approach Marvel level of, you know, Malekith level of yeah. underwritten bad guy. I, I honestly, Malekith at least had, I, I feel like Malekith had more character than Steppenwolf. I couldn't tell you anything about Steppenwolf. I can only tell you what he wanted to do. He wanted to terraform the Earth. Which, can I complain about something, just as, as a fan of comics for one second, and a fan of film, where, and this is where the Twains meet with this, and it's been bugging me, and if I don't say it, I'm, I'm going to feel like I have to do another podcast just to talk about this. This was so poorly written in terms of establishing the bad guy and the plot and what he wanted to do and all of that. And here's why. This movie assumes way too much. Who is Darkseid? I know who Darkseid is. I've, I've read the comics. I just fucking did a podcast on the Darkseid War. So I can tell you who, the, who Darkseid is and who the Anti-Monitor is for that matter. 
And if you've never read comics, you don't know who the hell I'm talking about. But they, but in the middle of this movie, Steppenwolf is yelling out, Foot Oxide! And it's like, there's no... What there should have been was a scene right at the beginning of the movie where Dark, you know, where Dark Side says, the last son of Krypton is dead. Now is the time to strike. The heroes of Earth aren't strong enough to defeat Apocalypse. Go, Steppenwolf. Go in the name of Darkseid and bring the Earth to me. That was all so that basically, I just did it. Go ahead. Same situation as Rise of the Silver Surfer with Galactus. Yeah, basically. I didn't, I didn't remember that movie. Um, but uh, this, just establishing this is, this is who the big bad is. Steppenwolf's your lieutenant. The power demons are your army. This is what we want to do and why we want to do it. Go. Instead, or don't mention Darkseid at all. Don't say this is for Darkseid. If, if Steppenwolf is, you know, if, if they're, you know, going with what they did, which is Steppenwolf tried it once before, and now he's trying again, there really wasn't a strong enough link. Like, it was inferred that he's doing this because Superman's dead, but I, I needed a stronger connection. Again, if you don't show me in the film, how am I supposed to know? Um... That's not the kind of thing you should be inferring. The, uh, there was some. Wow. Like somebody, I work with somebody who doesn't read comics, but goes to see all these movies. And he, and she honestly thought he was talking to the boxes. Like, cause they're called mother boxes. Get it? They're called mother boxes. So every time he said, for mother, or a mother, I'm coming, mother, he, like, he was literally talking to the boxes. I'm like, nope. He was talking to a character who they don't show you, and you don't know why he's saying that. It's just shit. I, I, I don't know if you guys agree or you care as much, but I'm listening to all that. I'm like, this is all garbage. This is just like, you know, hey, we know that people in the audience are comic book fans. We're talking directly to you. It's all fan service. And it was like, I didn't mind it when it was in Star Wars, and it was sort of winks and nods here and there to let you know, hey, we, you know, sorry about Lucas's stupid pre- uh, prequel trilogy. Here's some fun stuff for you guys. No, it's, it's a whole other Star thing Wars, you, too. It's a whole other thing where you're just making references to things with no context and, you know, you know in a movie cold like this. That's all part of my bad. Um... <laughs> The Ugly is, other than the CGI looking terrible, the whole film just looked terrible. Um, it's very jaw-barring in places. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It was like, you know, here, is Zack, here are the films Zack Snyder shot. They all look like dog vision. Here are the scenes that Josh Whedon shot. They look like, you know, brightly colored cartoons. And it was like, there's you, you no know, consistent visual vision for this movie. The thing, the thing with Zack Snyder, and I've heard this said before, and it bears saying here, Zack Snyder has an eye to create very visually striking moments, both good and bad. If you look at Watchmen, and we'll use Watchmen as the main example, Watchmen is a collection of visually stunning moments without a strong narrative to tie it all together and keep you interested and entertained. 
Zack Snyder yeah, should never movie. should never go beyond the field of art direction because he doesn't know how to tie a scene that can look very visually appearing into a narrative. That's the problem. And a lot of what he does in this movie, you see those sepia tones that would ruin what's an otherwise very striking shot or scene. Yeah, there's... A couple of things I wanted to touch on as far as that goes. I know there are some people who have requested that Warner Brothers release uh, Snyder's film uncut, you know, before they did the reshoots with Whedon. I'd be interested to see it just because those types of things interest me. There's a couple of things that I think Zack Snyder does well. One of them is visuals. He creates beautiful-looking visual visual movies. He's a little over-reliant on a couple of tricks, but every director has those. And again, there's positives and negatives there. The other thing that I think Zack Snyder does really well, and this is a really random thing perhaps, but I think he does a really good job at establishing an overall world mood. It's It's one of the things that I really liked about Man of Steel, for example. He created a whole world reaction to the existence of Superman. And you actually got some of that in the movie. There's an there's a again there's an overall kind of pervasive feel that he's able to evoke through you know, visuals and music and you know, whatever else he does. And it's one of the things that he does well and it's absolutely one of the things missing from this movie and in this particular instance, I blame Joss Whedon because, well, I'd rather have five guys standing around in a bunker sharing jokes because that's what Joss Whedon does. I want to praise um, specifically Henry Cavill's again as Superman. Uh, this is one of the better, and I liked Man of Steel. I'm on record, personally. You know, is it perfect? No, lots of flaws talked about those at length as well I like it I am able to enjoy that movie there are parts about Dawn of Justice that I kind of liked uh, all of which either involved Cavill or Ben Affleck which surprised me because I no faith in Batfleck but I was wrong about that one this is a really really well realized vision for Superman I mean he comes back and he's a little bit feral and he's a little bit out of it but as he kind of regains himself you know, you get a lot of great Superman moments in this movie. Uh, you know, you get him showing up. You know, he gets the big heroic entrance with a very Superman line. He, Is this guy still bothering you? No, no, that 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 was a different one. I didn't laugh nearly as hard as that one as I did the other one. Like, no, man, you know, Steppenwolf saw, no, the only truth is power, and just from behind him. Yeah, I'm a big fan of truth. I kind of like justice, too. And then he proceeds to beat the crap out of Steppenwolf for a few minutes because Steppenwolf is horribly outmatched. And then he breaks from the fight like, no, we're trying to save the world. Yeah, but there's a building full of people about to die, and you guys hold on to this for a second. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, again, you, you get a lot of really great... Superman moments, and I, I just, I felt that needed to be acknowledged because 
there's a, again, there's a lot of bad, but there are there is good, and Cavill as Superman continues to be very good. It really makes me wish he had better material to work with, <laughs> because. So, I wanted to bring up two things about the beginning. Uh, we talked about a little bit about it before, but you know we were doing the plot synopsis, so I, I wanted to lay off. But two things. One, and this is just a personal issue. They opened with everybody knows, as sung by Sing- Ingrid Singrid, um, and it was a Leonard Leonard Cohen cover. I, and I just want to say to the people who produced this movie and worked and created the soundtrack to it, you know, Concrete Blonde did a cover of Everybody Knows. It's amazing. Why couldn't you have just used that? Because this version sucked. Anyway, that's a personal issue. Um, but the whole, like, again, there's, there's too much that's inferred or implied, but not really stated outright or shown. And one of those things that's a big issue for me is the world without Superman. You know, it, it's, it's said somewhere in the beginning of the movie that with Superman gone, uh, crisis on the, up, uh, on the uptick, There's, the people are like brazenly flouting the law. And then, of course, you have this, the imminent attack of, you know, aliens from another world because there's no, you know, godlike defender of the planet. Would have been nice to have seen some of that. Again, it would have been nice to have gotten the introduction to the characters, you know, were, you know trying to, you know, you, you get a little bit of that with Wonder Woman, but it would have been nice to have seen it with the Flash and, and um, even, you know, Batman. You know, Batman's thing is, is, is trying to trap a parademon and see what he's dealing with there and sort of the realization that he's not strong enough to even fight the parademons, let alone Steppenwolf. Um, but it would have been nice, to, you know, for Batman to sort of tacitly acknowledge that in all the years he's been patrolling Gotham and fighting the Joker and Penguin and whatnot, he's never seen it this bad since the, you know, since uh, Superman died. You could have just had Gordon do it if you didn't. If you didn't just hang on, yeah. if you didn't want to just have Batman do it. There's that scene where you know, uh, before J.K. Simmons is so utterly wasted on this movie. But yeah. you know, right before he goes up to talk with Batman to turn on the bat signal, he's walking through the precinct. You could have spared 20 seconds of dialogue for him to, you know, lament the loss of hope and what it has meant to, you know, even just the average people that, you know, the Leviathan's gone, guys. Thomas Hobbes was right. But my philosophy background notwithstanding. It just feels like in Zack Snyder's heart and mind, he had a grander, probably taking into account all the things that we're talking about, but he had a grander scheme of what he wanted Justice League to be. And producers and investors got a hold of the footage. Um, test footage was shown, and it was like, yeah, cut anything that's a bummer. <laughs> no bummers. This has got to be a bummer movie and it was it succeeds in not having a sad moment of course apart from then you know, the existence all... of the movie <laughs> and it took all the oomph out of it for me I'm gonna I'm gonna let I'm gonna go ahead and let Pat kind of have his say and let you finish having your say because I don't have I've dominated a lot a lot of the last hour 
and I don't have a whole lot else to say. Um, I mean, characterization. I'm curious to see what James Wan does with Samoan Aquaman. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, I have mild hope for that because I am a fan of James Wan's movies, generally speaking. mm -hmm. However, after seeing what studio interference does to them, I am slightly less hopeful. Well, here's the thing. Just in terms of timeline, when Jeff John sort of came in to quote-unquote write the ship for the DC Cinematic Universe, it was too late to stop what had already been done to Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, and Justice League. This is it. Justice League was the last movie that had that was too far gone for Josh Whedon, for um, Jeff Johns to have had a significant impact on. Going forward, they're already working on Shazam, uh, Wonder Woman two, and Black Adam, the Batman. The no, they're not working on it yet. Um, the 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 Batman somewhere in pre production, somewhere somehow. Uh. So, I mean, so forgetting about the talk of there's going to be 96 Joker movies and a Batgirl movie and your mom's movie and up in Pat's movie, the ones that, that, that have actually got cast and they've, you know, shot film, you know, or building sets for are Wonder Woman, Shazam, and I think the Batman. Um, I got to go back. Uh, well, Pat's talking. I'm going to go back and check the, uh, the wiki on that. So going forward at this point, assuming they don't just pull the plug on everything, which the guy directing Shazam said it's not happening. They are trudging forward. They're just trudging forward with the, you know, with whatever vision Jeff Johns has for this universe and with the sort of philosophical idea that we should stay away from Avengers event movies and stick with some standalone stuff that just exists or doesn't in the universe. It's kind of a, let's go back to a more director driven series of movies and not an event driven movies the way Marvel does. All right, Pat, your thoughts here. We've kind of thrown a lot of stuff out there. What else you got to say for yourself? There's a good movie in here streaming to come out, but it was handled by people who don't know how to do that. You literally could have spent far less time in this film focusing on developing Batman and Wonder Woman further and spending that time on The Flash, on Aquaman, on Cyborg. But instead, they chose to be repetitive because they were, for some reason, afraid of introducing the audience more in-depth in this film to the three characters they didn't know versus the two they already know. Even though when you get the ticket money the likelihood of people walking out on the movie is very slim. Even a piece of shit like this. Now, we've seen the continual trend of these movies opening with less revenue despite the promise of, well, now there's more interest because of the preceding films. It's gone the opposite way of Marvel's films. And there's a reason for that. Because they didn't play the long game. They shortchanged themselves, and as a result, they shortchanged their audience who aren't real receptive to that and aren't going to take it. So now, even though they're going to allegedly trudge on with this, I would expect little to no mention of any of these events in the Captain Marvel Shazam movie. 
because of how negative the reception has been, I would expect when they do go on to a solo Batman film, which will happen, it will have little to nothing to do with this film. Might not even have I Ben Affleck. It'll be, it may not. I, I would wish that it did, but I don't see it happening. If it uh, if we get a second Wonder Woman movie, I don't expect much mentioning of this. I don't expect another group outing like this for at least another three to four years from DC because of how spectacularly they've failed here, because of how weak the narrative is, and because now that Jeff Johns is going to be there, uh, uh, what's Kevin Feige? Yeah he's going to want to assume a lot more control and he won't want to put this together until he has his way with these characters and can rebuild a little bit from here. Until that happens, I probably won't be going to see another DC movie in the theaters. I'm already at the point where I really don't want to see another Marvel movie in theaters at this point, but I will because they've been more good than bad. But at this point, there's been no good standalone or group film from the DC Extended Universe. So I'm kind of overseeing them in the theaters at this point. All right, so to be clear, the in con- uh, the concrete development, Aquaman, which has a release date of December 21st next year, um, that's in post-production right now. So that's, I mean, we that's, that's a short thing. Shazam! is in pre-production and wonder woman is currently in pre-production. That's all slated for 2018 and 2019. Um, Allegedly cyborg and green lanterns corpse are scheduled for 2020. They still have release dates. They're in They're They're listed as still in development. So that's coming from a list of these have definitive release dates. So again, Aquaman is just tell you the state of DC and how bad this is. Because the, because the Flash movie uh, blew up on the launch pad, there's only one DC movie coming out next year, and it's coming out a little over a year from now. And then Shazam and Wonder Woman are slated for 2019. Cyborg and Green Lanterns Corp. are slated for 2020. In the meantime, um, there's an entire list of titled and untitled movies. The ones that actually there's been some work on and have like listed people for either director and or screenwriter. There's Batgirl, which is Josh Whedon's pet project, which is talk that because Justice League shit the bed, he may not get his Batgirl passion project. We'll see. Thank God. (laughs) But on the other hand, Batgirl's a girl, and we like feminist movies in this country now, uh, so it's probably going to happen. Um, Batman's being directed by Matt Reeves. Um, it could have Bat Affleck in it. It could have Jake Gyllenhaal in it. Gyllenhaal in it. Who the hell knows? Ugh. Um, that one's... Really? That's the <laughs> that direction one... they're going? Yeah. Um, so that one's in, that one's in a, some degree of development. Uh, the aforementioned Black Adam has a screenwriter, uh, Adam Stitzkiel. Uh, and um, that's already got a cast, so and and The Rock's producing it, so that's probably going to happen too. Flashpoint's got a screenwriter of Joby Harold and um and wait, they're doing a Flashpoint by, movie. 
Yep. And it's being produced by Greg Berlanti, Jeff Johns, and Toby Emmerich. So that oh, one's okay. probably going to happen. Now, listen, I, I really appreciate what Greg Berlanti has done with the DC TV universe, we'll call it, okay? Mm. The Arrowverse, whatever you want to call it. He's done two good shows for five or more for five seasons. Uh, two awful shows, that's fine. He's tied them together well. It's cohesive. It makes sense. So I don't mind Greg Berlanti. Why the fuck are you going to do a Flashpoint movie when essentially the plot of Flashpoint just says everything before this doesn't fucking matter and it didn't happen? I get that if you're going to do it to clean up the negative reaction to these movies, but that's not going to be what they do. Because they're not just going to reboot everything with that, especially if they already plan on going this far with it. That's not what Flashpoint's going to be. And I'll guarantee you that the movie they come out with in live action isn't as good as the fucking animated movie they did. No, it won't even be close. Um, So a handful of ones that are listed as in various stages of development that are probably going to happen... Uh, it's just a matter of figuring out when and, you know, and about when they can actually start to shoot these things. Gotham City Sirens, Justice League Dark, Nightwing, and Suicide Squad 2. Everything else is like an untitled this or that. The only untitled one that I have any faith in actually happening is the quote-unquote untitled Lobo film. That's actually got a, that's got a director, Brad Payton. Um, it's being screenwritten by Jason Fuchs. Uh, based on a story by Brad Payton, and it's being produced by Jeff Johns. That's probably also going to happen. So, <sighs> And we'll all we'll just see. weep That's for how they know. completely destroy the character for laughs. Didn't Brad <laughs> Payton do San Andreas? Um, uh, let me check. Wait a second. I got it. You talk. Say whatever else you got to say about this movie. Uh, yeah, he did San Andreas. He did the forthcoming Rampage movie as well. <laughs> so he's basically the the Rock's personal director. Yes. Oh my God, they're doing a sequel to San Andreas. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, that probably won't go well. Like you, you did a so you, you a, made a you made a decent disaster movie. Be happy and move on. He also made the sequel to Cats and Dogs, Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore. Uh, I'm looking at his work. There's nothing redeeming here in any way. Oh, we like San Andreas. Also, Lobo is a parody character. I don't think a lot of people understand that. Lobo, the character, is a parody of basically the entirety of 1985 to 1994. He's making fun of all the other characters that have come along that carry big guns and curse and kill people. Okay? So if we're going to do this movie, you need to dial that in or else it's stupid and doesn't work. Okay? Rob, think of him as your this. DC Deadpool. Ugh. I hate Deadpool. <laughs> As a character on uh, the last movie. word on this. <sighs> last word on the movie. <sighs> Jeez. Again, I found some. Good yeah, that things. about sums like, it up. I f- again, there are some <laughs> good things here. 
Unfortunately, it's buried under an avalanche of awful CGI, patchwork writing, and schizophrenic direction. Again, I would really, I would be curious to see Zack Snyder's full movie just for comparison's sake. It might be worse. Like, let me be clear about that. There's a possibility it's worse than what we got. I'd be surprised by that, but I, I would just like to kind of compare and contrast because I, I like stuff like that. That's just me. So Warner Brothers, please do that, or some enterprising hacker, do that. And I would like to, again, extend... I would very much like to extend my hand to Warner Brothers. If you would like to bring, you know, like to bring me in to uh, consult on how to fix the DC Cinematic Universe, I am available. I'll be more than happy to uh, come in, you know, with, work for Jeff Johns, and uh, teach two people how to do this right, because you clearly have no freaking clue what you're doing, and you're completely overreactive. How you no, Josh Avengers... Josh Whedon had a clue of what he was doing. It was 2012 when he did it the first time and thought we wouldn't notice. (laughs) No, what I'm not even picking at, uh, I'm not even picking at Josh Whedon. I'm talking about, like, the producers and the studio executives who looked at the Avengers and went, yeah, we're going to do that without properly profit. setting up the universe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is very... Apparently, Warner Brothers is being run by underpants gnomes. And it shows. And with that said... Oh, wait, wait. Last thing. Because I cut you off from talking about this. Sorry, go ahead. You tried to bring up the awful post credit scene, which I will not describe in anything approaching detail. I will just say this. It made me sad. God damn it. <laughs> Why? And I, see it. and I can agree with that as a Joe Manganiello fan. Like, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm actually somewhat interested to see if he, what he might do with Slade, with Deathstroke. But seeing Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor again just makes me sad. It just makes me so sad. Okay. And their whole pack need. We need a league of our own. Like, just shut up. You're poorly written. You're poorly acted. Go away. <laughs> I'm, ju- I'm really just surprised if he's like, oh, it, it, Again, if they're going to do a line like that, I don't understand why they uh, they didn't say, they've got a league, we'll have a legion. Leave it at that. Again, there's so many other ways. They could have gone... It went the way it went, and I was actually more bummed leaving the movie on that note than I would have been if I'd left after the the Flash and Superman start their race. Because that was kind of (laughs) glorious. I mentioned it. It seemed like a bit of a waste, actually, but, you know, we all have our things. Come on, it was just fun. That's all it was. They were never going to do anything else with it, but... Uh, again, I was perfectly okay with that, with the way they left it. Just, yeah, no, that that's fun. Like, I, I'm cool with that. That that was a good note to end on. And then, no, here's Eisenluther. Eh, why would you remind me this is a thing? <laughs> All right. Can I, can I ask a serious question? Yes. Yeah, go ahead. 
Why not? Do do people honestly think that Jesse Eisenberg is like a good actor? Jesse Eisenberg is a good actor when put in the right circumstances to do so. Because well, yeah, when he's playing I, like nerdy and when he's playing nerdy and awkward, like is, he was fine in, that, in the one in Zombieland. I saw him in Zombieland. Okay, I saw him in The Social Network. I saw him in um, uh, what was the amusement park? Uh, the amusement park one. Uh, oh, Adventureland. American I want to say the name of it. Yeah. Adventureland. Really Adventureland? Yeah. I want to say it was American Ultra. Wasn't Adventureland like uh, Ryan Reynolds? Jerking himself off? No, he works in an amusement park in a summer called Adventureland. That's that's the one um, with Kristen okay. Stewart, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I will tell you. Yeah, so I saw him in that. And it's basically, American Ultra, folks. Okay, that is American Ultra. I was right. Okay, he's serious Michael Sarah in terms of both appearance and that he can play <laughs> this role and nothing else. Yeah, again, let me say this about Eisen, about Jesse Eisenberg. I do think he's a good actor. I, I genuinely do. I just don't think he has a lot of range. And that's, I, like, I'm not quite sure whether that's, you know, good or bad, but when put within a set of circumstances... He is an exceptional actor and a boon to any film he is in where he is able to do so. Taken out of that particular set of circumstances, I feel less confident in his abilities. That's my perspective. Okay. By, by the way, not only was he in Ultraland, but he was also in Adventureland. Just thought I'd he was point in both. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Third Attempt. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Boop, boop. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Justice League shit the bed, ladies and gentlemen. Not only does it have a terrible Rotten Tomatoes score, which give you know, your mileage may vary whether or not that even matters. Um, but, uh, Justice League is set to lose fifty to a hundred million dollars. It has a budget of three hundred million. It's currently standing. This is recorded on a Tuesday. It's currently standing at two hundred and eighty-six million dollars. And much like Dawn of Justice, because of you know its inflated budget due to reshoots and everything else, this needed to make a billion dollars. I think they, I think they're saying it needed to make seven hundred million just to break even. This really for this to have been a profitable venture, this needed to crack the billion dollar mark, and, of, and certainly that was the intent when they set out on this long winding road. Um, it didn't even do as well its opening weekend as Wonder Woman uh, or Dawn of Justice, for that matter. It uh, did around its opening weekend was about ninety three, almost ninety four million dollars. It didn't crack a hundred million. That's not good. Uh, in America, it's currently sitting at one hundred and one million, and foreign one hundred and eighty five million. That's including its debut in China. Yep, this thing has shit all over itself, and I'm starting to wonder if it even cracks the top ten. Yeah. <sighs> 
It'd be a big stretch at this point. What is number 10 right now? Well, Thor Ragnarok is climbing. It's currently number 9 with $741 million. It is currently sitting at the number 10 slot with $688 million. So again, for it to get into the top 10 right now, it has to crack $700 million. And what's funny is that Coco comes out tomorrow and has got a 96% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and is a Pixar film and is an animated film and is a children's film. Probably going to get wiped. It's probably going to get the, uh, its ass kicked by Coco and then summarily forgotten about because then it's only two weeks away before Star Wars makes $2 billion. So, yikes for Justice League. Justice League currently sits at the twenty number twenty seven, which sadly Oof. enough is be, is behind the Lego Batman movie and Annabelle creation, both Warner Brothers films. I can only tell you Annabelle that the Lego the Batman doll, right? movie was atrocious. Yes, and, and Annabelle is the mean, doll. Yeah, Annabelle is the doll. If Justice League doesn't surpass the Lego Batman movie. Everybody at Warner Brothers in, who has is an executive, I'm not talking about the craft people like Josh Whedon or Zack Snyder or whatever. I'm talking about the executives um, that were involved in, we'll call it stage one of the DC Cinematic Universe, needs to be Jump fired. out your windows. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, and not rehired by another studio. Do not hire the... I'm starting to wonder if Warner Brothers shouldn't just like count their losses and sell off DC. Like at this point, they've now hurt the brand so much that I don't know if it's worth even hanging on to. They've damaged it to the point where, you know, I just read off a list of movies that are uh, due to come out over the next couple of years. But, you know, when you hear that like Fox is willing to sell off its movie studio I just wonder if Warner Brothers shouldn't focus on something else besides DC movies. I mean, Warner Brothers does really well with the Harry Potter stuff. Focus on that. You know, they've also got the monster universe, you know, Godzilla and King Kong. Focus on that. Those aren't doing badly. You know, if you look at two entries did quite well, actually. Yeah. You know, when you look at, you know, when you look at what's come out this year, um, you know, they're, they're, they've got you know Wonder Woman's their best movie so far. It's eight hundred twenty-one million. And then after that is Kong, then Dunkirk, then the Lego Batman movie, then Justice League, then Blade Runner, uh, and then after that it's just a sad series of affairs. Geostorm, King Arthur, it, the it Lego got Ninjago sad movie. Before you got to that point. <laughs> um, everything, everything, chips. Oh my God! Worldwide chips only made twenty six million dollars. God, Good. does that even make its budget? No, no, just barely. <laughs> well, its budget was twenty five. Piss million, on so. everyone involved Eesh. in that movie. Every single <laughs> one of them. And 2017's Unforgettable made seventeen million dollars on a budget of twelve million. Good for them. So yeah, I okay. So Wonder Woman was your was your was your big winner this year, but maybe you know shed DC, 
much. Um, this isn't the first time D, uh, Warner Brothers has had a successive series of failures that accumulated billions of dollars in losses for the movies they put out. That's the story behind the Death of Superman movie. The part of the reason they pulled the plug on it was as a studio, they were bleeding money left and right because they were putting out garbage like Wild Wild West with the robot spider. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Am I crazy? If you're running Warner Brothers after everything that's happened to DC at this point, do you hang on to that property? Do you maybe try to sell it to somebody and just move on and do something else? Consider this. If you're in the Warner Brothers business and you're trying to figure out what to do, you just made a movie that is, by, re- by any reasonable estimate, one of the three most expensive movies ever made. Not adjusted for inflation. The other two were various Pirates movies. Uh, we had Stranger Tide and World's End. And when those movies are struggling to you know, make back that kind of budget, but ultimately basically succeeding, and you're just bleeding money out of this property you might want to seriously consider it. I mean, one has to imagine that they could at least recoup the losses from their last two movies, three, with selling off all these properties. I mean, Lord knows you have done enough damage to them that you're not exactly handing your competition a stick to beat you with. You're handing them a manual for how to turn a block of steel into a knife. And you're going to have, you, that's all you've done. Like, you're not going to get immediately bludgeoned with this. Okay, I have, the, I have the numbers. So Justice League is the third, adjusted for inflation, Justice League is the third most expensive movie ever made. The, on Stranger Ties and At World's End uh, are right above it. And after Justice League is Titanic and Spider-Man 3. Which does, which once again, kids, indicates to you that cost does not equal value. Yeah. But in all seriousness, I don't think if you're DC, I mean, if you're Warner's, you sell off DC. Its brand is still way too profitable, despite how you bungled it. I disagree with Mark. It's not necessarily handing them, uh, you know, what to beat you with. It's more manual. And literally, anybody can take just one of the the three characters between Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman and formulate a highly profitable, successful, and critically acclaimed series of movies just using those characters alone without needing to branch them into other characters as profitable as that is down the line. Um, I, I You can't give it up, but what you need to do is either seriously overhaul the creative direction that you've taken and expel the people who bungled it to this point, or you simply don't make any moves with this franchise for two years, maybe three, and let people forget about these abominations. Get people who the public will be excited about hearing being involved with these movies and then try again. You know, here, here's the thing. 
if, if you're right, and you probably are, that you know they're they're not you know they're not going to sell off DC. They have a hit with Wonder Woman. They have a hit with Patty Jenkins. Again, there's a lot of there's a lot of feminist agenda behind both the property and the director. Not as much Gal Gadot. It's like people are just kind of associating Gal Gadot now with Wonder Woman. Um, maybe Gal Gadot by herself doesn't generate nearly as much uh, hype. But I think I think if you're Warner Brothers, they're, they're making the right move with Wonder Woman. It's like they know they have a hit here. They know they have a very very po- they have an anti Ghostbusters thing with Patty Jenkins. Just ride that wave. Focus on that and do what I've heard they said they are going to do, which is leave the Wonder Woman movies alone, don't link them to anything else, and just make good Wonder Woman movies. And that, that, that I think, will be one of the feathers in their cap through all of this mess. Um, as I said before, you know, it'll... I'll have to see how Shazam and Wonder Woman are. It's, you know, Aquaman's in that murky territory of it's still part of the Snyder vision but it had a different director and he may have been able to take the Snyder vision and done something really fun, really fun with it so Aquaman is on that periphery of it could be really terrible it could be really awesome um, the ones that the ones that, have, that, that were not touched by Snyder the ones that are post Jeff Johns the ones that are really be the canary in the coal mine for whether or not they can pull this ship out of a nosedive will be Shazam and Wonder Woman. So we'll see what happens. Uh, as far as the weekend goes, Justice League was number one. Big surprise. Uh, now, this is a big surprise. Wonder uh, came in at number two with, with $27 million. Thor Ragnarok dropped from one to three. With Should have dropped further. Million. Uh, Daddy's home. Wait, 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 wait. Drop this from needs two to, to be four. Said. Wait, wait. This needs yeah. to be said about the weekend. Thor Ragnarok's hold yeah. was so bad it was beaten by Julia Roberts and Owen Wilson on screen together. <laughs> Apparently, Wonder was a big hit with the soccer moms. Um, Daddy's oh yeah, home Julia Roberts and Owen Wilson. Mur- Murder on the Orient Express, which apparently is getting a sequel. Robert, just want you to know that. Another murder on the Orient Express? I, I mean, look, I, I, Hercule Poirot <laughs> is a great character, and I'd be perfectly okay mm-hmm. seeing more of him, but like, calling it a straight sequel is odd. The animated uh, Jesus movie with animals from Sony debuted at number six. <sighs> Sony. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what else can you say? <laughs> Sony, I'm like, when I read that Fox was selling their, their movie studio, I was like, of all the studios that need to be in the, you know, that need to be have a fire sale, it wasn't Fox that came to mind, you know, that had like a prestige Marvel picture in Logan. But you know what's, what's funny about that, just to go back to the, to the yearly totals, I don't think Fox has like a top 10 this year. I think its best movie was Logan. No, it doesn't. Yeah, um, that's domestic. Let's try that one more time. Um, you know, worldwide. I would say that I'm really, I'm really disappointed that I forgot that Daddy's Home Two came out because I really want to see that. Yeah, Fox's best movie this year uh, was Logan at six hundred and sixty-six million dollars, 
and they had a rough year, man, despite that. Uh, like, their second best movie was The Boss Baby, and Planet of the Apes did okay, and then after that, it's just sort of a downhill slope. Kingsman, Aliens, Murder on the Orient Express, Captain Underpants, Snatch, The Mountain Between Us, Diary of a Kid, and A Cure for Wellness with a hot $26 million on a $40 million budget. I don't budget. think any of those... I don't. I don't think any of those, with the exception of Kingsman, were really heavily invested in, though, in terms of the budget. So it may be one of those times where, while they're not, you know, knocking down, you know, all these records and everything like that, or really putting out hit after hit after hit, they're probably steadying themselves a little bit by recouping things, by cutting the losses some, and trimming the fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Planet of the Apes did well, well above, you know, it wasn't a mega mega hit, but it did what it needed to yeah. do. Plus some aliens made over like I said, I think is really. I was going to aliens made over its budget, but it that was a loss. I mean, when when in terms of that was supposed to do a lot better and it didn't. Well, it was supposed to be a way for them to revisit that franchise, and it 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 didn't do what they needed it to do to kick that off. Um, Not nearly as as much of a failure as uh, as for Universal. But in that same boat, uh, based on what they could have done long term but didn't succeed with. But but like I said, I think of those movies, Kingsman is probably the only one that really hit them a little bit, where it didn't get to where it needed to because there was a, a strong budget on that, and it didn't bring in the results ultimately. Let this be a lesson no, to every studio. Ha- Channing Tatum will only sink your projects. Universal, except if it involves the, the word mummy. Jump Street. Universal is doing fine. I mean, it, it took a hit with the Mummy, but even the money, the Mummy made movie, though. Though, though the story of the Dark Universe is both chilling and hilarious at the same time. Anyway, back to the weekend. <laughs> it's more um, hilarious than chilling. So, Bad Moms Christmas dropped from four to seven. Lady Bird ten. Lady Bird actually went up two points. It went to ten to eight. The the three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Went from 27 to 9 somehow. And lastly, uh, Jigsaw went from 5 to 10. So, And Blade Runner fell out of the top 10 this week. All right. That's all I got for the money. As, as I said, uh, next week, let me go to releases here. Um, Coco comes yeah, out. Coco. To, Coco comes out tomorrow. It has no, it has no competition. It's, it's going to just take over the weekend. Um, Darkest Hour, and which is I think the war drama, and the man who invented Christmas. Yeah, no one, no one's going to see those with any. You know, everyone's going to see Coco. Um, hey, if I had my way, then, I'd be seeing the Darkest Hour. But I like watching good oh, actors yeah. give great performances. So sue me. Yeah, but no one's no one's going to see that unless they get taken to the movies and Coco is sold out and they need something to do for the interim time where Coco is not showing. Although theaters are generally pretty much better about that now than they were 20 years ago when you go to see Flubber and it's sold out and you get stuck having to see Anastasia. Both of those sound awful. Um, Jeez. I remember when those came out. God, I hate myself. Yeah, 1990, so, 1997 was a hard year. Might have been 96. Right, I don't know. There's then, a lot of blur in there. And then, yeah, December 1st, Nothing is coming out. I think the only thing that I even recognize on this list is The Shape of Water. So people will still people will still be seeing Coco at that point. Um, the 8th of December is something called Just Getting Started. 
and nothing else I recognize. So again, again, that's two weeks. That the, the, there's a two week lull before everyone goes to see, goes to see Star Wars, except for the five percent of the country with kids too little to go see Star Wars who will go then, who will go see Ferdinand. Fox, I still don't understand why you had two perfectly good weeks to release Ferdinand where you had no competition, and yet you chose to go head-to-head with Star Wars. John Cena's not going to topple Star Wars. I'm sorry. I know John Cena, you know, other than Roman Reigns, doesn't lay down for anybody, but he's not conquering Star Wars. Get over yourselves. Good God. And then the following, uh, and then... On the 20th of uh, December is The Greatest Showman. And <laughs> while The Greatest Showman is coming out and looks to be uh, a, a, an Oscar winner, we're going to review Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, instead. Because, you know, franchises. No, no. Because you Aren't hate you me. Happy? Say it. Say it because you hate me. <laughs> I love you. You're my Mark, friend. why do you lie like I that? I like you. I like you because you're my friend. Okay. Not a, uh, not a joke, by the way. Hang on. Brief, brief anecdote about the Jumanji sequel. Every one of my brothers is insisting on like seeing this thing with me. <laughs> I have no idea why, but... I mentioned to them, yeah, I have to review this crappy sequel to Jumanji. And they're like, wait, the one with The Rock and Kevin Hart? Yeah, I want to go with you. Like, what, the, what is wrong with you? Hey, don't don't forget, Jack Black returns. Yeah, but Jack Black's it's not be terrific. Kevin Hart is like an active deterrent. Also, I had no I idea what like The Greatest that. Showman was. Sucks. I had no idea what The Greatest Showman was, so I just Googled it and and found I was correct that it is a P.T. Barnum biopic starring, starring Hugh Jackman and Zac Efron. Well, Hugh yep. Jackman, I will say pretty like, much anything. I feel like this is a movie I'm supposed to like, but I'm just going to be really apathetic towards, even though Michelle Williams is in it, and I love Michelle Williams. It originally was on the list for us to review, and then it, it, they, they put it on the same day Robert. as Jumanji. No, no, no. <laughs> like, no, no. To be fair, like, yes, he hates me, but more, they actually switched the release date for Jumanji like three times. And it went from February to December over the course of those switches. So, I, Look, I know that right. this is Mark's show, and I know that he hates me, and this is just one of those prices I have to pay. It's one of the reasons that I make him see crap like Jigsaw, because I need to get revenge somehow. <laughs> I like you, because you're my friend. You're my friend. All right, friend, are you ready? I think you need to have a long discussion with someone besides me about the nature of friendship and why this qualifies as an abusive relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 So... Can we just start with the one that I that I emailed to you and just get this out please, of the way now? Please, I wish to yell at this person. <laughs> um. Oh shit! I don't. I you know what? I don't have it up just yet. Hang on. Give me a second. 
I remember what it says. If you want to find the person, you can cite it with. But I remember the substance of the clip. I I want to read it word for word. All right. It it's a doozy, Pat. This is. You sent it to me. If on you Messenger, enjoyed, the... you should be able to just scroll back up through there and find it. Yeah, I'm going to do that instead. Give me a sec. Next table. All right, here we go. I showed this to everybody at work, by the way. This was so bad. <laughs> did they all react essentially <laughs> the same way I did? Yes. At, to Good. the letter. Okay. Good. Marianne... I am not alone. <laughs> all right, Pat. Are you ready? And for those of you who enjoyed our last installment of Old Men Yell at Clouds, you ain't seen nothing yet. Marianne Johansson, a flick philosopher, and that's philosopher spelled with an F, everyone. <clears throat> the cinematic equivalent you need to know about the content. By the way, the the cinematic equivalent of Trump and Brexit, as awfulness brought upon ourselves, incoherent and cheap-looking. There are no heroes, and everything is broken. All right. I don't understand how that equates to Brexit or Donald Trump. Let me say this. I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. There's a, and this goes to the state of film, not just film criticism, but like the state of, I hate to call it like journalistic integrity, but I'm going to start. I'm going to say there that is for, none. Want, for want of a better phrase, that's the one I'm using here. There's a bunch of people who it is glaringly obvious do not wish to be doing what they're doing. People like this writer. (laughs) This writer who, in her heart of hearts, yearns to be a cutting-edge political op-ed writer for The New Yorker. Or Or CNN. Or some other liberal rag. And to be fair, when I say I say that in this case because this person is clearly of a liberal bent. There are conservative writers who I've said the same thing about. This is not my – I am not foisting my politics Milo. onto their desire to write about politics for a major outlet that espouses their belief system. I don't care what's, what side of the spectrum they fall on. That's what they want to be doing. But they suck at it. Let's be real. They all, they all fall on a spectrum, and it has nothing to do with politics. Yeah, so do I, but I can at least keep elements of that in my pants. These people are just so bad at what they want to do that nobody is willing to hire them for it. And in a desperate attempt to actually still write about things and make money, they take on something like film review. And rather than actually have a modicum of personal integrity or professionalism and actually just talk about the freaking movie... They find any and every opportunity to foist their political ideology into the, guy, into the context of a film review, where it has no place. You people are a blight. You want to know why nobody trusts mainstream media? Because they have hired people like you in the past. The reason the state of criticism is so bad is because there are jackasses like this who would rather spout off about their perceived worldview rather than actually talk about what they're being paid to talk about. How do you hire this person? How do you actually send them a paycheck for what they do when they do it this badly? 
it, it boggles the mind. It genuinely boggles the mind until I remember that, no, there's a bunch of morons running this, and, well, talking about Trump will get us clicks. So, yes, t- like, you, are, you have created a self-perpetuating cycle whereby your content is crap. And you will not pull out of it. And I hope you all go bankrupt. And I genuinely think some of you should consider self-lobotomy. Because there's, there's clearly not enough brain activity going on. You might not even damage yourself. This is, this is what is wrong with what we are doing here. This is why I yell about this on a weekly basis. This is why I get deeply and profoundly pissed off that, you know, Mark and I sit here and we do our best to cobble together something resembling coherence and objectivity, and we, you know, toil in obscurity, while some troll, and let's be clear, that's all they're doing is trolling, is able to actually get a paycheck from a semi-legitimate organization. It Mark, can you bring back the right hook? <laughs> so far. Or the Whiskey Rebellion? We would be bringing back the Whiskey Rebellion, but sure. Edward Porter of Sunday Times UK. What unfolds is an adequate answer to Marvel's first Avengers film. No. Get him. Like, how can you... How can you be that wrong? Like, I, I understand... So, so if, if Robert punched me in the face, an adequate response would be for me to flick him on the ear. <laughs> that's a more, that's An a adequate accurate. response is that... Is that of the ant to the boot? Yeah, it's just... No. Like, I, I understand why he's making that conclusion, but if you're... I understand why he's making the comparison, but his conclusion is completely erroneous. Like, you could actually track why this is a significantly worse version of the Avengers. Because Joss Whedon only has one trick. It's the same damn movie, people. One is made well, (laughs) one is made terrible. Alright, Sarah Ward of Art Hub. It still achieves two aims. (laughs) It still achieves its two aims. Improving upon Batman v Superman and leaving viewers intrigued for future Wonder Woman, Aquaman, The Flash, and Cyborg outings, but does so in a thoroughly choppy and dull fashion. No, it does not actually okay, achieve that's, those that's goals. Wildly, that's wildly inaccurate. First of all, I, I would agree with Mark's earlier sentiment that it wasn't dull. It was pretty brisk and moved really quickly. Too quickly, in point of fact. Exactly. I wasn't checking my watch on this one to, to wait for scene to scene because I wanted something to be over. You know, this was, wait, what? Uh, you know, this was epilepsy type speed. Um, so, so, no, that was incorrect. Two, I don't think anybody gives a shit about Aquaman, The Flash, or Cyborg after this, really, because you weren't given any reason to. All right. Walter Shaw of Film Freak Central says, DC's superhero team-up dirge, Justice League, shambles into unnatural half-life 
with a message of apocalyptic doom saying presented now without puke filters so that it looks like a movie my mom watches on her television with the smooth with the motion smoothing turned on. Accurate. Yeah, there's some accuracy there. I'd contest his I would contest his uh dirge uh assertion. This is not a dirge of a movie. If there was some fatalism in it, it actually might have been better. Like the fact that these people all get their like fail miserably at actually stopping Steppenwolf and then there's like no immediate emotional, physical or at all consequences to it. It's just sad. Like it's just sad. We could use some more fatalism. We could have used Steppenwolf trying to do this in a populated area, but God forbid people actually die. All you pansy asses that bitched about su- about Man of Steel. This is what you have brought. This is the end. This is the direct result of you whining about a body count in a movie. I hope you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's not quite this is uh, I call this that's not quite I call this move the butt crack, but it's really still pretty funny. <laughs> you see what you pansies have wrought? Alright, Gary Dowell of Dark Horizons. Most days it's not great, but at least it's coherent would be a backhanded compliment. In this instance it's high praise. It's not really yeah, okay. like that's the I understand the sentence he put together, but like, I doubt it really applies here because there's a serious lack of coherence and cohesion in this movie. Like, you really have to just be like, "All right, I accept that this character shows up for no, for no predetermined reason." We then get a two-minute bit of backstory and no actual discussion of motivation or a larger sense of the universe. Or legitimate like consequence to our failures. Like, no, it, it it's just not. Okay, uh, Christopher Matchell of Cineview, and and make this one quick because the one that follows it's even better. The true villain of the film is the corporate nihilism that willed Justice League into existence. Oh, see, shut up. You really need to know what nihilism actually means, buddy. This is not nihilism. You fundamentally misuse the word. Yeah, this isn't them caring about nothing. This is them caring extremely about a bottom line they think will be up and, and pounding and awesome and making them tons of money. Completely inaccurate, completely stupid. He voted for Hillary, folks. Yeah, like... Nihilism is not caring about anything. These people really care about their bottom line. They're just trying to get there in the dumbest way possible. Again, and not paying for birth control is not denying birth control. And again, vocabulary matters, people. You're a professional writer. What's the matter with you? Um, this next one is one of my favorites. Oh, boy. <laughs> Just just because I know Rob so well, my friend. Ali Gray of theshiznit.co.uk. It wasn't evil aliens that defeated the Justice League. It was facial hair. 
Okay, what he's referring to here is that they had to CGI out um, Henry Cavill's mustache because he kept it for another film he was shooting. I didn't even notice. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. I actually didn't notice that. Like, <laughs> oh, really? That's the, weir- that's the <laughs> weirdest thing. Like, maybe I was just so deadened by being bludgeoned with bad CGI, I didn't notice that they had to do it over his face. But <laughs> yeah, just to go go Google still shots of that. Somebody referred to it as his uncanny valley upper lip. <laughs> That's great. Like if you could, here's the thing: like if you could actually legitimately do that good a job editing out that guy's facial hair, why couldn't you make Steppenwolf look like something other than a a, a bloated mass of marshmallow face? Because the budget went to mustache erasing. <laughs> that, Damn that's it, like can't the, you see, Robert? That's the most damning thing about this movie. Like, they actually did a good bit of visual editing with computers somewhere in it. Now find it in the midst of all this terribleness. <laughs> like, I can't I'm going to be laughing about quote, that for like six days. I can't even call you grossly incompetent anymore because you've actually displayed core competency in this one very narrow perspective. Oh, Shout out to the guy who had one job and it was editing Henry Cable's mustache. Darn right. You deserve an ovation, my friend, because you did a good job. Congratulations. Um, no, like, that has nothing uh, to do with what... Uh, no... I'm glad that we actually got that out of the way because I don't even want to talk about that person's review because I actually found something else to praise about the movie, so good on you. John John Urbanich of Your Movies from Cleveland.com. With Justice clocking in at just under two hours, it becomes the shortest offering ever in DC Cinematic Universe. That alone scores major points in this little corner of the planet. Well, I imagine it would have to, because then you could get back in time just to see how badly the Cleveland Browns are losing in the fourth quarter. Sorry, Jesse. <laughs> hey, maybe LeBron uh, could actually go, go see this movie and actually not injure himself. I mean, that, that's kind of a stretch, but... Okay, I'm reading this one just because I know how much uh, Robert hates this sort of sentiment. Felix Vasquez Jr. of Cinema Crazed, even with all its obvious imperfections, Justice League is kind of fun once it gets going. Oh, shut up. Okay. (laughs) If anyone out there feels compelled to make, like, if you want to, if you have minor video editing skills and you want to make me laugh, I would like the famous bit from uh, The Simpsons, uh, one of their better, one of the best Simpsons episodes ever, by the name of Cape Fear. There's a, fa- <laughs> there's a famous bit where Sideshow Bob, after unhitching himself from the bottom of the Simpsons car, takes a yeah, step yeah, and is yeah, smacked yeah. in the face with a rake. And this happens. <laughs> Go ahead and do that, but just like, cra- like put in like Photoshop or whatever gift maker you choose, somewhat crappily. Put the word fun over those rake handles. And I'm Sideshow Bob. Like, this is... That's how Robert feels. 
And me, oh, it's more like when they're speaking to Homer in the witness protection area, but when they're setting him up with a new identity, and they constantly repeat to him, Mr. Thompson. And after a while, I'll say, I think he's speaking to you. I'd accept <laughs> Sideshow Bob as he is stepped on by the parade as well, like that bit where he's laying in the street. And this parade celebrating... Or driving over the cactus patch. Hey, who, who, yeah, or, who or driving. this movie is fun? Yay! No! That outvoted. Or, or when they drive over the cactus field. That's really what you feel like, right? Don't yes. they, like, it's I not the race. It's not... over cacti. <laughs> Mark steering right. the bus. Uh, like Mark Homer in this analogy. <laughs> Making the... Like you're setting up the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Susan oh, Granger uh, Su- Susan Granger and I'm really starting to love her reviews when we do this bit. She she always she always gives us such great grist for the mill. SSG Syndicate. When Shakespeare wrote it's a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing, he could have been summarizing this convergence of DC comic universe. Dear God, you stupid, stupid person. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. I, I, I like, feel compelled to actually touch on this. Hang on. People attributing that to Shakespeare, okay, it, that's only half the story. Like, this is what really, really gets under my skin with people misusing that quote. Like, profoundly bothers me that people screw this up. Yeah, Shakespeare wrote it. As though this somehow ascribes his worldview. Let, let's take the next step. Like, please, for the love of all that's holy, let's take one more step in a, properly attributing this quote so that we can all actually understand what he's trying to convey rather than pure nihilism, which is kind of what that represents. What's that play from? You, all you idiots out there, all of you idiots, I will give you points if you can name the play that's from and more points if you can actually name the act that it's from. Because if you get those two things, I guarantee you, you will actually rethink utilizing that quote nearly as often. And for all of you people who don't know, that's from the third act of Macbeth. That is actually Macbeth speaking. That's, if memory serves, that's actually right before he's confronted and summarily beheaded. I, I might be misremembering exactly when that comes in, but it does come near the very end of that play. I know because like, if you have a collected works of Shakespeare, you can actually turn a page too far and go from, ha- from Macbeth into Hamlet, which is a tremendous like, thing to comprehend, someone who wrote that and then wrote you know, the, the amount of greatness there. But this is very specifically Shakespeare attempting to express to the audience the worldview of a psychotic man who has lost (laughs) everything. Of course his worldview has become none of this matters, because everything he has fought to achieve is drowning in blood around him. You cannot take this as a singular instance representing anything other than the point of view of someone who has descended into madness and tyranny. Stop utilizing it as a legitimate 
justification for your point of view until you actually understand what's being said. You bunch of self-righteous, pedantic jackasses. Yeah, also, you're trying to cite Shakespeare to sound witty, but you're writing about Batman. I'm just saying. (laughs) Jamie East of The Sun, UK. Saved by the skin of its teeth and a few nifty edits. Oh, shut up. (laughs) Just shut up. But... The only nifty no, edits no, no, were no. of Henry Cavill's face. I, I love. I complete. No, no. The only saving grace is all these crappy one-liners. Shut up. That means there's nothing there to save. Boy, I sure do wish Chris Farley were still making movies. Shut up. They're not that good. Katie Stotzel of the Young Folks. Justice League lightens up the DCEU, so at least this time there was some fun to be had. Shut and up! And everyone duck. <laughs> What's the matter with you people? At, wh- at what point did fun become some kind of universal metric? I would so love to sit down with this person, watch the first two Hellraiser movies back-to-back, look them dead in the eye and go, well, I had fun. Would you care to counter my argument? <laughs> Please, uh, show me Kevin the a- spectrum, where I fell and why I'm wrong. Pat, have you noticed that a, that a big pillar of this bit that holds it up is that I purposely find ones that I know is going to poke him hard? Because you hate me. I mean, you, you kind of hate him. <laughs> I, I, I can't really I think of another reason to justify this. <laughs> I, I do I, endeavor to see I, if I can I, have I a genuinely on like air. the emotional release I get from yelling at these people because I don't have a whole lot of it. <laughs> uh, keeping with the same motif, Kevin A. Ransom of MovieCrypt.com, it's third out of five films, a bit of semi-forgettable popcorn flick fun escapism, and the promise of better things to come. You've got a good thing going here, DC. Keep smiling. Don't blow it. I I hate so much about that. I hate so much about everything that guy just wrote. I I can't. No, I'm not. No, I'm no. Just no. That would that would have been saved somewhat better had it been actually written. Hey, had it been actually written by the East. Good idea. Yeah, I got an idea. Why don't you give me the belt and I'll beat everybody? That would have been slightly better had it been actually written by the Easter Bunny from the Bugs Bunny cartoon who instructed Bugs Bunny to keep smiling. Then I could have tolerated that one. Um. Let's that would have see. required a bit of actual knowledge of things that are intelligently written. And the ability <laughs> to make connections and draw conclusions. Things these people are clearly incapable of. Ratchet Gupta of Filmfare. Oh, Justice, League is just, <laughs> Justice League is just about the most drab and lackluster superhero epic ever made. Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> I've seen I've seen some real shit superhero movies. Yeah, like I suppose he missed Fantastic Four. 
Yeah, did this person not see the four stick? Because if you want something drab and awful, that's your that is the measuring stick for drab and awful films. Uh, the same person probably gave Ragnarok a positive review, like just to show they have no internal consistency. Wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Brian Orndorff of Blu-ray.com. There are interesting moments when the Lee becomes a unit, inspiring hope that with the sequel, the gang will find time to take on the real villain around here, the person in charge of visual continuity. <laughs> That's actually kind of accurate. <laughs> I'm happy that was accurate because his last name was Orndorff, and I can assure you that Paul Orndorff would have been very upset had he given that review the wrong answer. True. Because Paul Orndorff's a man, damn it. Kelly Vance of East Bay Express. The contempt Uh that Justice League has for its audience is open, unashamed, and matter-of-fact. Really? Because this felt like it was pandering to the audience. Yeah. Like, no, no, this is pandering, not contempt. Like, contempt is overly explaining things. Contempt is what, like, the executives at Warner Brothers feel when they are informed that there's actual source material for this stuff. Like, they they feel legitimate contempt for the material they have to adapt and consequently ignore it. Because they're a bunch of morons. No, this film does not have contempt for its audience. It, it, like, genuinely it doesn't. Of all the flaws this movie has... Its opinion of the people paying to see it is not actually that low. How bad is it that people are making stuff up just to review this movie? I know! Like, there's so much wrong. Why are you fabricating this stuff? It's not necessary. Josh Terry of Desert News, Salt Lake City. Snyder never let the screen get too crowded at one time. And Justice League manages a nice balance of character and action. That should make fans happy. Uh, I want that guy's name again. To be fair. No, no, no. I want that guy's name again. I live close to... If this person actually like lives around the headquarters for the Deseret News, I can find them and I can actually beat them with a fish. No, but uh, to Josh be Terry. fair... This is within my power. I can actually exact vengeance on someone for their terrible, terrible job. This is a movie that should make people happy if executed right. But as we know, that didn't happen. Um, We're going to read a few more of these and we'll call it for the night. Kurt Loader of Reason Online, formerly of MTV wait, News. Wait, 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 wait. Is that the same Kurt Loader as the MTV News guy? Yeah, no, same Kurt Loader. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Every one of the many, many sky fights, mega booms, and fantasy landscapes on display here seems to have been purchased at an FX fire sale back in the 1980s. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. That's that's accurate. All right, I'll forgive you for one of your terrible MTV news breaks. And here's our navel-gazing 
Kiss Up to Feminist review of the evening. Got to get one of these oh, in. Oh, joy. Of course, it comes <laughs> from, and, and, of course, it comes from NPR. Top critic Bob Mundello says, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman got the tone right last time, which suggested things were looking up. But without director Patty Jenkins around, sees subject to the dismissive male gaze for which Hollywood long been criticized. Okay. Okay, hang on. I'll give you a dismissive male gaze. (laughs) What in the world makes you think... Nope, nope, nope. Not going to say that either. Like, I I, I just genuinely don't know just where to start with how wrong you are here. Like, there's a... She's not dismissed. Like she, that's what kills me about this. Like Wonder Woman plays an integral role. In fact, from honestly, like my opinion, they because I can kind of feel Joss Whedon's hand in all in this. Like they, I feel like part of his editing and reshooting was well, we need more Wonder Woman. So here's her bit about trying to come to terms with becoming a leader, which like. Felt ham-fisted. Felt incredibly ham-fisted. The the character has not done a disservice by this movie. Matilda Dixon-Smith of Junkie. Congratulations, Ezra Miller. You almost single-handedly saved the Justice League movie. No. Shut up. (laughs) You were terrible. Your character is written poorly. You don't. Nobody who nobody who's ever read the Barry Allen version of the Flash will understand who this character is. Nobody who's ever watched the TV show The Flash, which features Barry Allen, is going to know who this character is. This is an this is an awful pastiche of every comic relief awkward misfit character in every group movie ever. I was going to say, I actually, I, well, I did kind of enjoy his version of The Flash in large part because I have no attachment to, I have no baggage with the name of Barry Allen, so I'm okay with, and I'm generally okay with them changing things. Like, I'm not going to get my panties in a wad because, you know, Batman kills people. Ah, oh, for shame. Batman must never kill. No, shut up. Consider context, you jackass. Like, I, I'm okay with them changing. Barry Allen. I'm even not terribly off-put by him being the comic relief in the general sense that we need levity. But the fact that his character is basically limited to, as Pat suggested, an unholy focus-grouped hodgepodge of every comic relief ever, that's a problem. Him being the comic relief, I have less of a concern with than the execution of his being the comic relief. That, that's what gets to me here. All right. Uh, almost done here. Jamal Dean Grootboom of Independent Online South Africa. Now, we have a consistent tone throughout of the film. Witty dialogue from the characters. A story that makes sense, and every member of the Justice League has a distinguishable personality. This I'm gonna I'm gonna go get candy. I'll be back in an actually hour. Actually, 
said that. Wait, wait. That's leg- that, that is legitimately what was said. I read that word for it, including the kind of screwed up, uh, screwed up sentence structure. I I don't know what to say. I genuinely don't know what to say. Like, this is the kind of person that says that Kevin Bacon's not in Footloose. Like that. That's all I've got here. It's like because no, there isn't a consistent tone. Seesaws, because you had two different directors. There's witty dialogue. So what? Does it actually achieve anything? Very very infrequently. They've all got distinguishable personalities. How do you figure? Like, genuinely, how do you arrive at Aquaman actually having a personality after seeing this movie? Because uh, he doesn't. They don't give Cyborg a personality either. They give him, like, one bonding moment with Barry Allen as they're digging up Superman's corpse. Which... <laughs> Not actually Gary the Wolf. oddest sentence I've ever said on this show, but close. <laughs> All right. Um, just two more here. Gary Wolcott of the Tri-City Herald. Finally! A DC Comics movie with a sense of humor. Oh, not even up. Affleck's... I'm not done yet. Not even Affleck's boring Batman or Cavill's less than super Superman are able to ruin this one. So, your point here is that the two, act, the two good performances are, let, are drag downs, but boy, we sure do love one-liners and quips. Get out. Yep. Get out. What's the matter with you? I genuinely want to know the greatest influences on this person's life perspective. Like, Hitler. what did you, what material did you consume as a child that led you to this point in your life where you could be this backwards? Okay, I got to read these three in succession. They're each different in their, you know, in their own way, but. If I feel like if I read them separately, we'll be here for another two hours. So I'm going to just all at once. And then I'm going to let you guys. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I got to get through all. I got to get through these three. Okay. Leonard Malton. Because we have to have our weekly appearance for Leonard Malton. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) The film isn't perfect. And with so many details and characters blurring on the edge of clutter is ripe for nitpicking. But on the whole, I had a good time. <laughs> uh, Dustin Putman of thefilmfile.com It's almost shocking how bad Justice League is when your film makes the viewer long for the coherence and scope of buckle in guys 2015's ill-fated Fantastic Four Oh shut up of- it is a sure sign of something has perilously gone wrong. And uh, lastly, where is it? Um, oh, here it is. Rob Hunter of the Film School Rejects. An improvement over the dour idiocy of Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and the silliness of Suicide Squad. Incremental maybe, but still an improvement. All right. Leonard Moore, I have, you I have no issue home. with that. 
Leonard Maltin should be in a home, and not one of those good homes, like the kind they investigate on 60 Minutes. Uh, yeah, the kind where you find one. out he's... Hang on, that was the wrong one. There's a specific reason I want to end with this one. Um, so we all agree that, like, when it comes to DC, outside of Green Lantern, they pretty much got, like, the new gods here. They got, like, the cream of the crop. This is... These are, these are their A-list superheroes, right? Right. Daniel Absolutely. M. Kimmel of New, of New England Movies Weekly says, It has its moments, but it comes across as an Avengers wannabe with second-rank superheroes. There's one second-rank superhero in there, and that's Cyborg. And I'm not saying that to offend any minority groups. Don't take it that way. The fact of the matter is Cyborg was a B-tier character for the entirety of his existence until the new 52 rolled out in 2011. That is a fact, and they have struggled to maintain him as a top-tier character because his own book sales are not strong. So there's no connotation or agenda behind that. It's just a fact. I say that as somebody who collected the entire new Teen Titans run through the 80s, where he was one of the principal characters. That being said, The Flash, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and Batman are four of probably the ten most recognizable superheroes to the public conscience. Shut up. Shut up. Yeah, and to the guy in the middle, I don't know why you would long for the cohesion of four stick because it had none. Like, don't get me wrong. There's problems with justice league, but if you sit me down and you say, Robert, you have to spend the next two hours watching a movie. And our own, the only choices you get are four stick or justice league. A, I will reach for the knife that I keep with me at all times. <laughs> Not a joke. B, if said person is able to properly restrain me before <laughs> any further action occurs, it will be Justice League. Justice League has problems. But it's, a, it's at least a movie. I distinctly recall the feeling as I walked out of the theater from seeing Four Stick. And I said it on this show when we reviewed that movie, because Mark made me. <laughs> I had no interest in that movie. When, when does that become the name of this show, by the way? <laughs> because not, Mark made me. Every now and then I have to bust it out. I said it at the end of that review. This That four stick is nothing. There, it is, time passes. Images are projected onto a screen, but there's nothing. Nothing actually happens. Nothing is actually achieved. It is 97 minutes, or however long it is, of nothing. And for all the faults and flaws in Justice League, it's not nothing. And I will take that over nothing every freaking time. Okay. 
Yeah, I can, I can say Justice League is a bad movie. I can't say it's the worst movie I've ever seen. I can't say it's the worst superhero movie I've ever seen. I can say that Fantastic Four or Four Stick is the worst superhero may, in fact, be the worst film I've ever seen, period. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Hang on. I, I want to check this because I can't even say Justice League is the worst movie I've seen this year. Until I double check that statement. Okay, we skipped January, and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, do, 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 do. Haven't seen that. No, that was actually good. That was good. No, it's not. I don't actually think Justice League was worse than Power Rangers. They're probably about on par, in all honesty. Um, I think Power Rangers isn't going to lose as much money as Justice League. Probably not. Um, let's see. No, that wasn't good, but I don't think it was worse than that. I don't think Justice League was worse. Uh, you might... Nope, nope, nope. This wasn't... This wasn't as bad as King Arthur. Ah, that, no, that's another tough one, actually, now that I think about it. So I liked that. I didn't see The Mummy. You know, this might be a somewhat controversial statement. I actually don't even think this was appreciably worse than Cars 3. Of course, I have a relatively low opinion of Cars 3. No, it's not the worst movie I've seen this year. I've seen The Last Night this year. I just blocked it from my consciousness. Yeah, that was, that was, re- that was really bad. Like, right, that was um... really bad. <laughs> So tomorrow on the Metal Hammer of Doom, we are going to be joined again by Pat, I think. And we're going to yeah. do Poison, Look What the Cat Dragged In. Because the night before Thanksgiving on the Metal Hammer of Doom, we like to have some fun and pick a record that's either really, really bad or really, really silly. Or just, you know, ha- have some fun with things. So we're going to look at uh, Poison. It's also not worse than Geostorm or Jigsaw. Like, it, I, I legitimately can't say it's the worst movie I've seen this year. Okay. That's good. It's close, um, but it's not. So we're going to have some. So we're going to have some fun in the Metal Hammer of Doom as us four take in, uh, you know, all the glory that is glam metal uh, and poison in the 80s. And then, then on Friday, Black Friday to be exact, we will be looking at uh, On Trial. Batman, Batman, very Superman, where I will be prosecuting the movie and Sean will be defending. So that'll be fun. Uh, next week, we've got a source material on the Brian K. Vaughn first 18 issues of Runaways. Uh, we'll have we'll be back on Damn You Hollywood for Coco and Metal Hammer of Doom. will be reviewing the new Cannibal Corpse um, in December. Uh, we'll be look. We'll be doing Welcome Home, Frank on source material. Uh, that's the Punisher book on the fourth of December, and then Robert and I and some others possibly. I think Ronnie Adams is going to jump in. Possibly Jesse Starcher have a roundtable discussion of the Netflix show Punisher for a TV party tonight, and then the Metal Hammer of Doom will be reviewing the Cavalera Conspiracy's new album. Um, the week after that, Andrew Graham, friend of the show, will be coming on TV Party Tonight to do The Crown Season 1, finally. And 
the Metal Hammer of Doom guys are going to go on without me. They're going to do a show that Robert picked, um, some band called Ne Abla uh, Viscaris. I don't know anything about them, but my friend's in town, and we're going to see Star Wars, so I ain't doing shit. But the following week after that is all Star Wars all the time. It'll be Robert Winfrey's favorite week of the year. Uh, yeah. We're <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be doing Princess Leia on source material, reviewing The Last Jedi right here on Damn You Hollywood. The Metal Hammer of Doom is going to review Galactic Empire. And then finally, Sean and I will put The Empire Strikes Back on trial. And then finally... <clears throat> that's, the only real, out, that's the only objectively good Star Wars movie. I maintain that. Yeah, I thought, I, I thought that would be, make the most interesting to put on trial. You know, was one that is objectively loved by everyone. Um, I, I wonder if people realize we'll, this. For the record, my dislike of Star Wars is not shtick. Like, genuinely, <laughs> not my favorite property. I don't get it. On the twenty, on the twenty sixth of December, uh, Robert Winfrey will, and I will review his favorite movie of the year, Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. Uh, <laughs> I hate my life. The Metal Hammer of Doom will have our year-end special. Not, I don't know, I'm not sure what we're doing for that yet, but we'll have a year-end special. I, I know we're going to have one. And then uh, we'll be putting the Robin Williams uh, version of Jumanji on trial. And that is it for the Radalism Broadcasting Network in the month of December in the year 2017. We start back, uh, we start back anew in January. We're January 3rd, where the Metal Hammer of Doom is going to review the new Morbid Angel album. And then the following week, we're right back in the thick of things. We've got a source material of 300 by Frank Miller, an on-trial for the movie 300 by the aforementioned Zack Snyder, and then the Metal Hammer of Doom is going to review the new Asking Alexandria. So that's what we got going on. Uh, we hope you'll join us. Uh, the new source material list between January and May has been published at some point, And we've got shows listed all the way through, I think, February for the most part for the Metal Hammer of Doom. Um, I'm going to try to not work on Thursdays next year if I can help it. Um, I'm going to try to record mostly Tuesdays and Wednesdays and the occasional source material on Monday. I'm trying to get back into running. There's a little hotsy totsy at work wants me to be her uh, mud run running buddy. So I got to get my fat ass back into shape again. And hopefully this hey, year we won't have cancer January and I can actually off? do that. Yeah, we don't... I mean, other than TV I parties feel like and on trial... Nothing. I feel like there's there just nothing isn't. in January. <laughs> we, we don't come back in earnest. Um, we have Black Panther February 20th. And then um, we don't really start going week to week until March. March is Death Wish. A Wrinkle in Time, Tomb Raider, oh. and Pacific Rim. I hate <laughs> half of those. Um, April is every week, just about. We got Ready Player One. Um, there's a TV party for WrestleMania, which I hope Pat will join us on. Uh, New Mutants, Rampage. And then um, May sucks, by the way. May has two. We have two movie reviews. May we usually go every week. May has two reviews, Avengers and uh, Han Solo, the Star Wars movie. I have no faith in either of those at this point, actually. Yeah, the summer oh, really God. doesn't get started until 
the summer really doesn't get going for us until June with Deadpool, Ocean's Eight, The Incredibles, and Jurassic World. Um, June Ant Man. Like, I don't want to see any of those. <laughs> July's got four movies: um, Ant Man and the Wasp, Skyscraper, which is the next rock, you know, the Rock Disaster movie. Uh, Alita, which is a re- which is a um, based on a manga, and Mission Impossible Six. Um, August I, is I the Predator. Scar. <laughs> this this gets better. Uh, August is the Predator. Scarface. Your one your one hall pass for the year. Uh, I I got somebody else to do this one with me. Barbie. Um, we're gonna do that one on the twenty first, and I'm doing that with a coworker. And then we, our wrap, our summer wrap up is on uh, August twenty eighth. I legitimately like. I am not looking forward to any of this. <laughs> Holy! We crap. have one. We have one movie in September. And that's Robin Hood. Um, we have two in October: Venom and the Halloween remake. Uh, or prequel. Wait, they remade Halloween again? It's another sequel, I think. I know Jamie Lee Curtis is back for it. Yeah, whatever it is, it's called Halloween. Um, it's it's a different. In November. In November, we've got Dark Phoenix, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Fantastic Beasts two, and Wreck It Ralph two. And then in December, uh, we've got. Three movies. We've got uh, Mortal Engines, Aquaman, and Bumblebee. I don't even know what that first one is. <laughs> it's a Peter Jackson movie. Um, let's see. What is Mortal Engines? What the hell is this? <laughs> I sent you this list. I don't know why you're all of a sudden you're like, what's going on? This is the first um, time I get to react on air to it. Mortal Engines is the first of four novels in the Philip Reeves quartet of the same novel. The book focuses on a futuristic steampunk version of London, now a giant machine striving to survive in a world running out of resources. The book has won the Nestle Smarties Book Prize and was shortlisted for the 2002 White Bread Award. All right. But Aquaman I am only like moderately have hope for. And Bumblebee I just like no. Like so much no. Nope, you you got a hall pass on. Um, okay, I. Okay, Mortal Engines was written by Peter Jackson. It was not uh, and produced. It was not directed by. It was directed by Christian Rivers. No, no, and you like, already I'll got see, a hall pass for Barbie. I will see Bumblebee, barring the unforeseen. But like, no, like, this is bad. <laughs> None of this is good. To <laughs> <laughs> 2018, the year the film industry imploded. I mean, genuinely look at this list. It is, like, I'm struggling to find stuff that I want to, like, not just stuff that we can review, but beyond that, like, oh, what what is potentially interesting to me? And, like, none of this. Like, probably the things I'm most looking forward to are a Predator sequel. That might be it. Like, I, I lost faith in Infinity War being anything other than jokey. When it should be like half of them die violently. 
Any, any thoughts on that list, Pat? I was really disappointed to find out that Lita was not a biopic of Lita Ford. <laughs> it's Alita, by the way. Yep. Yeah, yep. that one. Yep. All right, guys. As much fun Who as I like this to, as much fun idea. as it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a whole lot of hope for Alita. I don't have a whole lot of hope for Alita when Valerian and the spaceport of CGI uh, also bombed this year. So I don't see it doing well. But you know what? This this was not exactly. It wasn't exactly a lot to pick Rim. from. Like that's that's what the other that? thing is like kind of it. Like Pacific Rim, I'm kind of looking forward to because I like the first one. Oh, Pacific Rim looks great. <laughs> All right. Pat, do your plugs. Uh, you can hear me, as stated before, tomorrow night on the Metal Hammer of Doom. First time I've been on that show in a long, long time. Uh, to review or, or cherish or just overstate the greatness of Poison's debut album, Look What the Cat Dragged In. And the word of advice to everybody before I leave you tonight, you got to cry tough out to the world to make your dreams happen. <laughs> All right, Robert, go ahead and do your plugs. Let's get out of here. All right. Uh, last Saturday, I suffered. Um, I suffered through the longest event in UFC history. That's not a joke. Uh, Fight Night 122 was legitimately the longest event in UFC history. There was three hours and four minutes in change of cage time. And the broadcast ran for a legitimate seven hours from first prelim to close of the main event. It, and to make matters worse, it felt even longer. Like, that felt like a ten-hour show. That was a drag. But you can read my report of that in the MMAZona411mania.com. And you can hear me give my solo review of it. Uh, both Pat and Jeff were unavailable that particular day. Um... And just you know, closing out on the holidays, there's scheduling conflicts. I'm not bitter about that. A lot of other things, though. Uh, I also previewed UFC Fight Night 122, where Michael Bisbing avoids his medical suspension by competing outside the purview of the Ameri- of the Association of Boxing Commissions. Uh, this, no one is going to be there live for this thing, but Saturday live starting at 1.45 in the morning, my time, I will have coverage of UFC Fight Night 122. Like, Larry Zonka and I will be up together. He'll be covering a Wrestle Kingdom or something event, and I'll be covering this. Um, I will have the full report posted after that, and on Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will review that and preview the card that they have announced such as it is, for the Tough 26 finale. Uh, At the moment, it looks awful. I have some hope that between now and then, they will announce more than six bouts for the card. But I could be wrong about that, too. So you can hear us talk about those things as such. Uh, And then, yeah, uh, next week, Mark and I will be reviewing Coco. I look forward to reviewing something that doesn't suck. It'd be a nice change of pace. <laughs> this might be the 
No, 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 hang on. Wait, remind me very briefly. After this, we have Star Wars, Jumanji, and I think there's another one. Nope. That's it? Coco, Star Wars, and Jumanji. You're talking just strictly movies, yes. Yeah. This is the last movie I am looking forward to reviewing for 12 months. (laughs) This is it. Because <laughs> like, the rest of the movies were look like they might not suck. Like, okay, Jumanji's gonna suck, but and Star Wars is probably gonna suck, at least for me. But Star Wars might be competently made, and I might have good things to say about it. But I'm not like attached to it. I have no hope for Jumanji. <laughs> and then we get into next year, and as previously discussed, there's like three that I'm legit that I'm like quasi looking for. No, this is kind of the last one for, like, at least ten months. At least ten. Really? You don't have any interest in uh, Avengers? I have no faith in Avengers. Like, if they, you, have, you don't think, if they you don't do think it Black right, Panther's going to be, be good? Awesome. Like, Black Panther looks great. Eh. And in Marvel, I trust. Eh. I imagine it'll be okay, okay, but I don't care. Like, okay, it's another Marvel movie. Like, what, what am I supposed to be excited okay. about? <laughs> okay. Um, no interest. No interest. I have no interest I, I, in Wreck-It Ralph. No. Like, I didn't. No I, interest in. Her. I never saw the first one. Like, I saw part of it while donating really? plasma. Nick, my kids really enjoyed Wreck-It Ralph. I'm sure they did. It's brightly colored. Features a lot of jokes. <laughs> my wife enjoyed Wreck-It Ralph. See previous statement. <laughs> you know what she's into right now? Rain. Like, I don't know when this ran on the CW, but it's currently on Netflix, and she's been binge-watching it since no, since uh, the break started. R-E-I-G-N? Yeah. Or R-E-I-N-G. Yeah, sorry. My spelling's off. Okay. I'm glad she found something she enjoys, but like do I think do I think Infinity Wars will be good? I I'm I'm starting to get on the fence about that. Like if they actually let it be as dark and dour as it's supposed like Thanos just murders half of them to set up the sequel. Just like straight up <laughs> kills them. If they actually let it do that, let it have some consequence, let you know, let Thor actually mourn the loss of his people after Thanos kills them all to get the Tesseract from Loki. Well, that's the thing. You know, in the original Infinity Gauntlet storyline, he murdered half the Marvel Universe and half, half the, the universe. universe. First, like, the opening he snapped his fingers to wipe out half of existence. And this was all done to impress a girl. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing's a love story about his love for death. Like, but there's no yeah, way they do so be cu- There's no way. I'll be, I was going to say, I'll be curious to see if that's the approach they take to this or if they don't give him another reason to want to kill off the universe. Yeah, again, like, if I thought it was going to actually be what I think it could be, 
I would definitely be looking forward to it. But after the last couple of movies, I, Marvel films, I've just been... I'm on the fence about how excited do I want to be about a big, epic, dark mashup story and how they're going to change it, you know? Yeah. All right. Are we done here? It is. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> this this goddamn Justice, Justice League movie has now caused us to do a two-hour and 40-minute podcast. Yep. I'm okay with that. Okay. All right, folks, for Robert we Winfrey. Are, hang on, we are now, we are now officially responsible for those listening to this show for a longer-running and more entertaining and cohesively put-together bit of entertainment than the Justice League movie. <laughs> That's sad. All right, folks, for the imminently mortified Robert Winfrey, for yeah, Pat who yells at clouds, I am Mark Rattledge, <laughs> and I am reminding you to... To just keep smiling. Be well Shut up. I will carve a smile at <laughs>